to another episode of the Planet Fantasy Podcast. And we're your hosts, Damon and Kyle. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good, man. I am, it's weird. I'm in kind of a sense of mourning because tonight, as we record this, is the last day of airing of uh, the Conan show on TBS. Wow. It's the end of an era, at least until he moves to HBO Max. So it's very bittersweet, but <laughs> how are you? I'm all right. Just uh, working and binging when I can. Been watching a bunch of uh, NBA playoff basketball. That's been pretty much taking most of my nights. Mm-hmm. As soon as we're done with this, I'm going to try and finish watching uh, Game 2 of the Western Conference Finals. So, nice. yeah, I'm, I'm hyped with sports, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> And uh, we also have our guest, uh, second time on the show, Micah. How's it going? It is going very well. I'm glad to be back and ready to draft with you guys. How yes. are you? So uh, have you been watching anything lately? Any binges? You know, I would say it hasn't been quite a binge. It's been more of a slow roll. um, I'm very impressed with your binging speed. I know you plowed through Game of Thrones in like, uh, seemed like 48 hours. I have been building my way through Clone Wars for the first time. Um, And uh, I'm just at the beginning of season three right now. And very much enjoying it. But, you know, I'm, I'm on summer vacation right now because I'm a teacher. So you'd think I have a lot of time, but I also have a one-year-old. And so the combination of those two things, watching him and trying to binge through a show, it's more like one episode a day, but we're getting through it. And, and it's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> uh, my sister has a one-year-old that uh, was over just today. Yeah, it's full time. Like, you have to be with them or else they're going to get into something. <laughs> They're just everywhere. Um, but that's fun. Uh, Kyle, what have you been watching? Anything fun? Uh, yeah, so last episode I said I was watching the show Dave. Um, I kind of paused on that because, honestly, this is one of the episodes I've, like, attempted to do the most homework for. Uh, so I've been just watching 90s movies, just just back to back to back. And it's it's nice that I own a lot of them because I found out not a lot of the ones I wanted to watch are streaming. Like, they're really tough to find. So... Um, what about you? That makes me really sad because like all the ones I wanted to watch weren't streaming. I'm like, what am I, <laughs> how am I supposed to prep for this? Like I should have bought more movies back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just been on my Disney bench. Like I said, last episode, uh, that, you know, I finished, I think sword in the stone today. That's mm-hmm. underrated, really underrated right there. And yeah. I think I have Aristocats next. So that's a super oh, okay. fun. So, yeah. There are sure. quite a few, uh, excellent, 90s Disney movies that made up in this. Uh, not to jump the gun too much, but luckily we go back in the Sword in the Stone era. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <not. laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, Kyle, what are we doing today? We've pretty much said it over and over again. But <laughs> yeah, uh, welcome back to our series, Acolytes of Film. We are in, now in the 90s. We are drafting um, four movies each. Just our our essential movies from the 1990s um yeah just the same as the last two it's going to be a bloodbath <laughs> uh and we have a list game to decide our draft order what's our list game this week damon so this is a very random one but we are doing shakespeare inspired movies 
Mm-hmm. So not complete like actual adaptations, not any no Hamlets or anything like that. But as long as it's inspired by you know our good old boy Will, then uh, you can you can name it. So we'll start with Micah, and then Kyle, and then I'll I'll finish us up. Okay. Well, I'm assuming that we are doing this because there were quite a run of these in the 90s. <laughs> the the first one that comes to mind when you say Shakespeare inspired movie, which is a classic from the 90s, which is 10 Things I Hate About You, yes. based loosely off of Taming of the Shrew, one of my faves. Yes. Great movie. Um, I'm going to go with my personal favorite, um, Throne of Blood. All right. I'm going to go with The Lion King, another Disney classic, of course. Nice. Hamlin inspired. <laughs> um, I will go with uh, an oldie. But also soon to be a newie, uh, which is West Side Story. Hmm. Uh, Story and other musicals have been a lot on my mind lately. I'm doing a musicals bracket at the moment. That's meaning I'm listening to a lot of musicals. Haven't been listening to West Side Story, but that's a good one from Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Um, Let's go with. Oh, uh, she's the man. A A lot of a lot of. Random 2010 comedies based off of Shakespeare. <laughs> there really were. Um, I'm going to go with O, the Julia Stiles movie based mm. off of Othello. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys took the last two you took were the two I was going to go with. It's all <laughs> uh, in a different direction. Um, I will say Kiss Me Kate, another musical. And I'll go with that. All right. Let's see. Oh, uh, Forbidden Planet. Based on the okay. Tempest. Hmm. Another two thousands, or I think it was maybe like ninety nine or two thousand one. Get over it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> A Midsummer Night's Dream uh, inspiration. All right, I can sense myself fading fast um, <laughs> because all the ones I can think of are, are, are have been mostly taken. Um, but I have to think of. Uh, this is one I have not seen, but. I know it's considered a kind of a legendary classic, which is the movie Ran, which is, I believe, a, a Japanese movie based off of King Lear. Yeah. Um, so I will go with Ran. Okay. That's a good one. Um, oh, boy. Oh, man. I hate myself for this, but it counts. Nomeo and Juliet. <laughs> Oh, oh, it definitely counts. <laughs> it, it does, sadly. Um, okay. Okay, I don't know if y'all even thought of this movie, but I, I think this should count. Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. Yeah, not only, I mean, it's based on his life, but it also rips a lot of off of Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. So in that, it, it, it should fit. Yeah. Um, okay, is that me now? Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, this one is also stretching the definition a bit, but, you know, at some point we got to stretch it a bit. Hamlet 2. Have you guys seen Hamlet 2, which is with uh, Steve Coogan, and he's like a high school drama teacher who puts on a very terrible production of Hamlet. So it's got elements of Hamlet in it, and it's also kind of a, a spinoff. It's a pretty funny movie, but it, it's got a lot of elements of Hamlet in it, but it's definitely not an adaptation of Hamlet. That's wow, fair. If- I like it. If someone told me there's a Hamlet 2, I would, like, reject it. But then you told me Steve Coogan, and I'm like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> Interesting. Um, All right, Kyle. 
Let's go with Warm Bodies. Oh. Love that movie. I know I have not seen it. Um, I know the premise. I had no idea it was based on or inspired by a Shakespearean play. What's it? Do you know what it's? Based? It's it's basically a Romeo and Juliet riff. Yeah, gotcha. Just with zombies. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. Living people. It's great. I saw that in theaters. Actually, that mm. that was fun. Um, I don't think I have anything else. Okay. I, I don't. I'm. I have nothing. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm bowing out. All right. I've I've got a few more I can think of. Um, I'm gonna go with a movie that was originally a play, which is but it is a movie, which is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, which is mm. uh, yeah. Hamlet focusing on the two minor characters of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. It's a good movie. Oh boy. Um Uh, four. Yeah, three, that's it. Two. That's it. <laughs> All right, that's Micah's win. All right, I only I had one more in my back pocket, and then I was out. So good for one more round, and that was as far as I was going to go. Which is that one? Go ahead and tell us. So I actually, I'm I'm not even sure. I haven't seen it, um, but I feel like it's got to be based off of it. Which is there's a, a Woody Allen movie. I know we want to kick off the draft with Woody Allen movies. Um, there's a Woody Allen movie, um, a Midsummer Night Sex comedy, which, uh, which is I think from the '70s or '80s, and I'm assuming it's based loosely off of Midsummer Night's Dream, but <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Oh well, at least we didn't have to figure out if that counted or not. But <laughs> uh, Micah, that's your W. So what's the draft order for tonight? Wow. You know, on the one hand. It's nice to have that power, but on the other hand, it's like there's there's a lot of good choices here, and I don't know if I want to take the first one. I have a clear favorite here, and but I have a lot of other ones that I'd love to have, but I, I think most people, I've been listening to a lot of your guys' drafts recently and really enjoying them. Most people, when they win, choose to go third so they can get those that turn, but I don't want to risk losing the movie that I want the most. And I don't know if either of you guys are going to hop on it. So I'm going to go first. And I am going to have Kyle go second. And Damon, you can have third and have the turn. I'm so down for the turnaround, Micah. You looked pumped. pumped. (laughs) I am. I love it. I always love that pick. Well, that that means we can go and uh, dive right into this, Micah. What is that movie that you just couldn't let us have? Well, um, you know, a, a classic question that people ask when you're meeting a new person is, what's your favorite movie? And everyone kind of has their, their stock answer. Um, and, and this has long been mine. I've, I've two answers that I'll give. One is one that you guys took in the 80s movies draft, which is Back to the Future, an all-time classic and one of my faves of all time. And the other is this 90s movie I'm about to take, which is The Big Lebowski. Um, my just, I, I can't even count how many times I've seen the Big Lebowski, um, Coen brothers movie. Um, I watched it for the first time when I was in high school, probably like summer after 10th grade and loved it right away. And then when I was in college, you know, this is like 
it's like the college movie. So my roommates and I and and other friends, we probably watched it close to like once a month for a couple of years. So there were a lot of uh, Lebowski viewings going on in our college apartment. And I mean, there's a million reasons why I love it. I, I really just think it's kind of the funniest movie I've ever seen. I think that uh, the John Goodman performance in it is one of the funniest performances of all time. Uh, no, The best use of profanity in a film that I can think of uh, probably uses the F word upwards of 230 times. And each one is a masterpiece. There's actually uh, a fantastic version. If you, if you search on YouTube, the Big Lebowski like effing short version, it's like a three minute supercut of all of them. And it's a, a fantastic film in its own right. <laughs> I never get tired of, I probably haven't actually watched it all the way through in full in like three years, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's all in my head. And uh, that's my number one pick, The Big Lebowski. All right. Kyle, how do you feel about The Lebowski, The Big Lebowski being the first movie off the board? Yeah, I have um, I have all, all you know three of us pulled up on a, on a Word document, and I had this typed out as soon as Micah said he had the first pick. <laughs> I knew he was going with this, and it's it is it's a classic. It um it's all I also haven't seen it in full in a while, but I I kind of agree. It really doesn't matter because it's just like endlessly memorable and quotable. And uh, I'm pretty sure I knew a lot of the the the, the bits and the jokes from this before I saw the movie because it's just one of those things where like you kind of like know if if you can quote this movie, you're like in. You're in the cool club, you know, like just people who love movies quote this movie and it's like a rallying thing for, for people. So yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. Um, it, I think that Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges is, is like just a very versatile actor in general. Like he can give in a performance in something like, you know, like another Coen brothers movie, like true grit and be just fantastic in that and something like crazy heart. But like, I don't think that he's ever done anything as iconic or influential as as the dude. I mean, he's just he's iconic. So this is this is a perfect first choice. Yes, um, like I talked about it on the uh, movies to watch while high draft. This one, uh, he picked it, and like I said before, I watched this for the very first time last year, mid pandemic, and I enjoyed it, but I just it didn't hit me like it hit so many other people. I think I waited so long, like the hype had just kind of hit this like apex where I was like, okay, this movie's got to be like uh, amazing. And I think watching it a second time, I'm going to be like a much bigger fan because of that expectations is going to be really lowered and just mm. a little bit more realistic, but I really enjoyed the performances. Like it was, it was really fun, really funny. The, the, all the sayings I had known for years, years before, uh, I have my brother-in-law, Jake. He's, like, a huge dude fan. Like, he dresses us up as the dude like every other Halloween. Uh, he kills it. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm okay with you picking that first because it was not on my board at all. And uh, I'm feeling very good about this draft already. Thanks, Me, I like that. Um, and, no, I, I think going off of what you just said, I think that it's definitely also a movie that benefits from being watched in, like, a group. It's just a movie that like feeds off, especially if it's a group that knows the lines a lot and are and are kind of saying them in anticipation of them. It's a yeah. great group movie. I think it really functions uh, super well that way. And I agree with what you said. I mean, like I said, I liked it the first time I watched it, 
but it gets better every time, like the more you know the jokes, because even though it's, you know, kind of like a ridiculous comedy, it's actually kind of really confusing and really hard to follow the plot. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it like 50 times and I still get confused about the order of scenes and would struggle to like actually tell you chronologically the order of the plot, which I think is by design by the Coen brothers because you're kind mm-hmm. of lost in a haze like the dude is. Um, but I, do, I, I would not be surprised if you watch it and then you're like watching it four or five more times and you're like, damn it, Micah was right. That was the correct first pick in the draft. <laughs> also, one final note I'd add about it is it also gets the award for worst movie translated to watching it on cable uh, because of the swearing. And it just had, I mean, it, it's like a 10 minute film without it. And it just all <laughs> the, the best is there's an iconic scene of John Goodman just absolutely destroying a car in a driveway or on the side of the street and uh, and screaming uh, profanities as he does it. And they, they edited out on when it was on like TBS or Comedy Central to, do you see what happens, Larry, when you find a stranger in the Alps? Which is <laughs> not, not the original line. And uh, as as uh, Walter would say, that is not the preferred number. And uh, yeah, so it gets that bonus award as well. I could talk about Lebowski for three hours, but that would be a really boring draft. <laughs> Let's not do that. But I'm I'm watching it again pretty soon, just just so I can get the, a better feel for it. Because I really don't know what was happening. I, I really don't, to be yeah. to be honest. So well, so let me ask you, Micah. Did you see uh, the Jesus rolls that came out like last year, or the year before? So I remember when I, I I know it had been talked about for a long time as like this potential spinoff. And I remember the trailer came out kind of like with no hype. And I watched it. And I sent it to all of my fellow Lebowski loving friends. And it was one of those things where one of us wanted to be like, does this look just like really, really shitty? Is this going to be terrible? And then the reviews came out and it was like absolutely terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the worst movie and I, all of my enthusiasm just kind of fluttered away i love john Turturro, but it seemed like this was just like a, a separate project completely unrelated to the lebowski universe so it yeah. yeah as of now is unwatched by me have you watched it i did and it i honestly think if it wasn't a spinoff of the big lebowski it would probably have a bit more of a following because it's fine it's like a very middling movie but like you can't make a coen brothers movie without the coen brothers signature sense of humor and like their direction it's just very unique right so i'd have nothing against john Turturro, but like it's definitely it's not a coen brothers movie <laughs> and it kind of has that unfair like mark of being a spinoff from arguably their most well-received movie so it, yeah it's just it's weird i don't know why it was made <laughs> i mean i'm good for john Turturro because he's still making movies in 2019 that's great but uh yeah it's just a very strange experience but i'm glad i saw it because it's like no, never did i imagine they would make a, a spin-off about jesus <laughs> all right that's the first pick and uh that means kyle you have your first uh, pick coming on uh what's gonna be all right um I was, I was talking to Dame before we started recording, and there was one movie that I'm pretty sure all three of us are going to be gunning for. Uh, so I'm just going to get it out of the way. Um, it's not necessarily my favorite movie from this decade, but it is one of my favorites. And again, it's just one that I know we all want. Uh, so I'm going to go with 1992's Aladdin. Um, <sighs> sorry, Damon. <laughs> uh, I love this movie. I do. I adore it. It's my favorite Disney movie, 
arguably my favorite animated movie in general. Um, I think it's just it's a near flawless uh, screenplay. I think that it's one it's one of those like moments in time where lightning strikes. You have the perfect casting of Robin Williams. You have the perfect animation. You have the perfect soundtrack. Right, like it's just everything hits with this movie. Um, seen it upwards of like fifty times and. It, the 50th time is just as enjoyable of an experience as the first time was, but yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. It's, it's a fantastic movie. Um, I think that even though Robin Williams is the most iconic part of the movie, I think the rest of the voice cast is also fantastic. You know, Gilbert Gottfried as, uh, Iago is, is great. He's a great thorn in our side in that movie, but he's so funny. Um, I love Jonathan Freeman as Jafar. He's just so intimidating. I don't hate the live action remake, but that was one thing that really let me down in that was that Jafar, I wasn't scared of him at all in that movie. I really wasn't. And Jonathan Freeman's voice is just so intimidating in the movie. Um, and it's just so fun. Like, it's just, it is a part of that that golden decade for Disney where they were just putting banger out after banger. And this is pretty early in the 90s. And it just, like, encapsulates everything that these movies that makes them special, right? Like it's, it's fun for kids, but it's also, you watch it as an adult and it's still just as entertaining. It doesn't drag. It's got, you know, what Robin Williams was genie is firing out like 500 jokes a minute. So you're bound to like catch one that's going to go over a kid's head. You know, it's just, it's so fun. I definitely did not get all the references that he made as a kid. And now watching it, I'm like, Holy shit. He's referencing this, you know, random obscure pop culture thing. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's fantastic. So I had to, that had to be my first pick. I love this movie and I'm really mad and, and not okay. Um, I watched this movie the other day because, you know, prep for the podcast, one of the few ones that was streaming. And also, you know, I'm doing my Disney binge, not, you know, hit that off my list. Mm. And Genie is skyrocketed in my favorite character on my rankings because Genie is just iconic. Every line he says is, bombastic it's so chaotic it's so uh, enthusiastic it's robin williams at his best i'm um, actually just recently watched some behind the footage uh stuff you know where like they're talking uh, it's him and scott you know the voice mm. of aladdin doing yeah. readings together and like scott just has to like hold hold himself so well before he just bust out laughing like so <laughs> many takes were probably ruined in process um i love jasmine she's one of my favorite uh princesses I love everything from Raja to Abu, the flying carpet. Like every little bit, I think is just it, it blends so well. Uh, going into the, you know, the cave and, and getting the actual lamp, the fight with Jafar towards the end, where you know he's like, oh, he needs more power. What do you wish for? Oh, it's kind of like a Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> he wishes to be the wish. Uh, <laughs> he wishes to be a genie, and then oh hey, oh yeah, genies are. Uh, you got to do what other people say. You're in, you're stuck in the lamp. And I just love how that happened. The songs, every single song I love so much friend like me one step ahead. Um, I, I love it all. Um, I could talk about this movie a lot, but I won't. So I'm really mad, but uh, Micah, <laughs> how do you feel about Aladdin getting taken off the board? I've never seen Aladdin. I'm joking. I'm joking. I obviously, throw myself <laughs> off this podcast. I've seen Aladdin hundreds of times. Uh, obviously, Aladdin's the best. Um, I um, Aladdin is not my very, very favorite Disney movie. I've got some others I would put just above it, but that does not diminish it at all. I absolutely love Aladdin. Agree with everything you guys both said. 
I do have one, one small quibble with Aladdin. And it's a thing that maybe you guys are aware of, but if not, when I say it, you're going to go, if you haven't thought about it, you're going to go, he's right. How did they do this? Here's my one gripe with Aladdin. They don't give Jafar a legit villain song, right? Ursula's got an absolute banger. Gaston's got great songs. Villain songs, Scar, Be Prepared, one of the very best. Jafar yeah. gets like the reprise of Prince Ali, and it's pretty good. I mean, that's 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 a decent song for sure. But they need like a, a full-on Jafar anthem, and that is the yeah. one thing that I'm like, ah. Give Jafar that song. He needs it. I agree with you. The Jafar performance is one of the best of all time. I love it. So, uh, but in the grand scheme of things, if that's my my only uh, gripe about the movie, I agree with everything you said, Damon, about the genie. Obviously, um, if they didn't nominate Robin Williams for an Oscar for that voiceover performance, then they're really just committed to never really giving anyone a nomination for an Oscar for a voiceover performance because it's probably the best voice performance really ever that I can mm. think of. And I can't really see a way that it could be topped. Um, a, a bonus of Aladdin is also spawned uh, one of the very best Super Nintendo games, the Aladdin Super Nintendo game. Is it though where, the hardest oh. game I've ever played? I don't know about that. <laughs> that, that that's that, the charm of it. <laughs> that is that is specifically a shout out for my wife who loved the Aladdin game growing up, and we will still play it occasionally, and she is fantastic at it. That the the lava level is a real doozy. Nightmares. <laughs> Nightmares. You gotta you gotta memorize the order of the of the lava waves. Luckily, yeah. Damon wasn't doing that. <laughs> Damon was mad. That's why you've got to play it now, today, with all your wisdom, <laughs> and you will you will be flying through that like Aladdin slowly and pillowly drifting to the ground after stealing, you know, what appears to be a watermelon. For the longest time, I wasn't sure if that was a watermelon. I was like, is that like a really big, what is that thing? Uh, I've concluded watermelon, but he busts it open like it's nothing. You can't open, you can't just crack open a watermelon. Um, also, I like how you referred to uh, the guy who voiced Aladdin as, as, as Scott, his real name, but we all know he's really just Steve from Full House. Absolutely. Which, I mean, that's, that's, and when you learn that, you know, I probably learned that sometime in the early 2000s or some, at some point, and I was just like, that's the funniest thing. I, just, it's just the funniest crossover. Steve from Full House. <laughs> um, and I, I, he's always hungry because Aladdin's always giving the food away. So that's why he's always demanding that, uh, you know, at the Tanner's house, he gets himself a bonus sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Aladdin rules. I lied. I have seen it multiple times. I know I've listened to you guys talk about animated movies enough. I figured that was one you'd each be gunning for, Damon. I'll bet you thought that you'd you'd be able to snag it. That it wouldn't be the first one off of Kyle's board, but no, no dice. I should have known. I should have known. Kyle, any any other thoughts you wanted to tell us about Aladdin? I think this is your second time drafting it. I think so, yeah. And also, I, I just love that it is one of the rare Disney movies that spawned a really fun sequel. Like, all of those, I don't remember if it came out in theaters, but all of those straight-to-DVD sequels to, like, the classics, not all, not all of them are great, but, um, yeah, I think it had two sequels. I know one of them involved his father, and Yo, they're Prince really fun. Pants. It, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Super fun movies. Um, But, yeah, if you're listening and, and you're, like Micah, one of the... <laughs> Three people in America who haven't seen, or in the in the world who hasn't seen uh, Aladdin, uh, go check it out. <laughs> but yeah, 
Yeah, I, also I the say, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. Let me start going, say, In defense of Jafar not having a song, he's so, like, iconic and still, like, put in that upper echelon, even without a song. I think he was going to be yeah. too powerful, too OP with a song. I think they were like, we can't do it. We can't do that. We can't flex on everybody like that. You know, yeah. so they had to take it out. That's, that's that, my head game. That is forever ruined for me, though. So thanks, Micah. Now I just really want to <laughs> Jafar song. And his beard is so twisted. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and like you said, the, the live-action version, uh, instead of, like, Sinister Jafar, they went a different route with, like, Hot Jafar. Yeah. And I remember when it came out, there were a bunch of articles that were like, is Jafar now sexy? And I'm like, yes, kind of. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Uh, sure. Oh, <laughs> God, we've had hot Umbridge, we've had hot Sauron, and now we have oh, sexy Jafar. That's I love three it. weeks in a row. We need to stop this. This podcast. I, is I, I did. I, I did hear your. I just listened actually earlier today to your guys's uh, Harry Potter draft. Bravo on both of those. By the way, Thank I thought those were choices. If we're taking a, a brief detour for me to to comment on that for a moment. Um, no, I, I would have watched both of those shows in a heartbeat. Um, especially, you got Brienne of Tarth in there as the as coaching the Quidditch squad. That's, That's fantastic. I will admit, I was confused at first when you guys did the second round, and Damon, you were describing the show. At first, I thought each of your drafts, each of your picks was going to be a different pitch of a show. Yeah. I didn't realize it was all <laughs> an extended pitch, and I was like, man, this, this guy loves Quidditch. He's just pitching. <laughs> and then I realized, ah, no, it's all encapsulated within one Quidditch show. Mm. I'm assuming there will be one episode, like a bottle episode, where they're just discussing the rules and debating whether or not it makes sense. Just the, the rules around the Golden Snitch make sense at all. Or I do have, and then I'll, I'll stop with the Harry Potter detour, but I do have one question. You guys, I know Potter very well. I also indulge in the Potterverse quite a bit. But I actually don't know this. It's probably in Quidditch Through the Ages somewhere. Is someone besides the Seeker allowed to capture the Snitch? Like, if it's just floating by... Because wouldn't the, a smart strategy, in theory, would be everyone just abandon the Quaffles, abandon the Bludger, just go full Snitch? I think that's a penalty. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's an actual specific penalty. Okay, like it should be, because otherwise... Everyone would just always be gunning for the snitch. <laughs> yeah, it would just everyone for the snitch. Yeah. Well, that was my Potter detour. Um, <laughs> it's called a snitch. The, the penalty is called a snitch nip if any other player catches it. What is the penalty? Of course it is. Like, if uh, any player other than the Seeker does it, like, tries to catch it, or actually catches it. But, like, is the punishment... It should be an automatic loss, I would think. Yeah, so uh, is it like a... Just, like, it's released again. Gotcha, gotcha. So okay. Here they do it like soccer, where, like, the other team gets a, a penalty kick and they get to throw the quaffle into a... You know, like, throw it in and with the goalie. I feel like that would be a fair, like, trade-off there. Yeah. I'm like sure it will all be explored in the hit series, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I, I love that uh, little... You know, that little segment right there. But before we get to the next pick, we're going to take a quick break. All right. Welcome back from break. We are breaking down uh, 90s movies. We've done the first two picks of the draft, and now we're on to Damon. What's your first pick, sir? All right. So I honestly thought this was maybe going to be the movie Micah went with until I remembered he loved The Big Lebowski. 
then maybe Kyle. Maybe he thought this was going to be picked. No, I'm joking. Kyle's not going to pick this movie. We've talked about this movie at length. He thinks the first one's much better. And we're going to have an episode about that one day. <laughs> but until then, I'll just talk about how much I love it. And that's going to be Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Um, I, I think this is, in my eyes, one of the best sequels ever made. I think it is better than the first one. While the first one is still like a classic, I think they're both. You, you, if you say you like the first one more, I can't hate on you because they're both amazing. They're just both kind of different, you know. The first one's a little bit more sci-fi horror, you know. You have like the the chase and the pursuit of Sarah Connor, and then the second one's a lot more action packed. You like you have a bunch of different chase scenes, uh, you know. You have the motorcycle chase, which is one of my favorite scenes in all movies. I love the actor of John Connor, to be completely honest. A lot of people say that kind of like rubs people the wrong way. I thought it was perfect for, for a kid who is like, you know, in that kind of situation, you know, foster kids like living in L.A., just kind of being able to do whatever he wants to. The only problem is he's supposed to be 10 years old in the movie, which just that doesn't really hold up at all. He's more like he's got to be at least 14. But other yeah. than that. I just love all the action. I love the chemistry between John Connor and uh, our boy uh, Arnold, you know, the Terminator. I love that, you know, how he teaching them to say the different phrases is iconic. Um, it gives us so many sayings that people still say daily, almost, you know, hasta la vista, baby, um, and all that. And I don't know. I just think this is a really, really fun movie. Uh, the graphics hold up so well still to this day. And uh, yeah. I love this movie. I adore it. That's my first pick. Micah, what you think? Terminator 2 rules. Um, I'm with you, Damon. Uh, Terminator 1 is really, really good, but I would go with Terminator 2 as as my preferred one between those two for pretty much everything that you said. Plus, the, the T-1000 is just a, an awesome, unstoppable villain. And like you said, the graphics really are still just unbelievable. I mean, it really looks like it could have been made just the other day. I mean, that's one thing that's kind of amazing about really most of James Cameron's movies um, is the the CGI or not even CGI, just the graphics that he does really hold up. Even like they're, they're always like 10 years ahead of its time. He's just always kind of pushing the envelope um, each decade. And I think it's interesting comparing a uh, Terminator and Terminator two. I kind of think of it similarly to alien and aliens the, those first two in the sense that ter, uh, both the Terminator one and alien are both excellent movies, but they're much more methodical and slower paced and kind of more cerebral. And then aliens and Terminator two are just both like kick-ass action movies that somehow build on it. And I mean, they're, they're really two of the only sequels that are as good or better than movies that the original is, like an iconic classic, which kind of all four of those are. I will be honest, Terminator 2 is the end of my terminating experience. I guess it's the termination of my Terminator experience. I just have never gotten around to watching the rest of the movies or the show. And I always kind of want to, but then anytime a new one comes out, people are like, ah, this one sucks. And so <laughs> I, I can never get the inertia going to actually plow through all of them, uh, even though like they wrangled Amelia Clark into one of them. So I'm, I'm sure that's entertaining, but the first two, I haven't seen them in a while, but I, I do love them. I, my initial, my, my big board list here that I have 
has 40 movies on it that I have to choose from for these 90s. And I will say, obviously, Lebowski was on mine. Aladdin and Terminator 2 is sitting here on my list. I don't know if I would have drafted it myself because it's probably not one of my, my top five 90s movies, but it's fantastic. And uh, the ending, amazing. I mean, the whole thing is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Kyle, tell us how much you hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't take this defamation anymore of my character, sir. I'm not doing this. Just because I like the first movie more. No, I, I'm glad I'm glad Micah mentioned the Alien franchise too, because those are two examples where I do I prefer the original, and he nailed it on the head. It's just the type of movie. Like I I love the slow burn and like the more horror feel of Alien and, and the Terminator, but that doesn't mean that Terminator Two isn't one of the best sequels of all time. Like it's it's fantastic. Everything you guys have said is correct. Um, I also want to say, uh, Micah, I really appreciate you saying you have 40 movies on your list. That makes me feel a little better because I, I definitely went overboard for this draft and I have way too many to choose from. But uh, they're all good. So, yeah, uh, Terminator 2 is is fantastic. Um, I would recommend keep going with the franchise just to say you've seen them. But I would say it never gets better than the first two. Uh, three is 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 fine, I guess. And then the, sh- the show is actually really good. Um our girl Cersei is is fantastic as Sarah Connor, um, but I only ran for like one season, I think. Uh, but Terminator Two is is just great. I love seeing Arnold get to flex his comedic muscles, which is not common, and he's really funny in this movie. I use the the GIF on Facebook of him like trying to smile like a human being all the time, um, and it's just yeah, it's fun. Damon, I think you're right about about John Connor too. You know, Edward Furlong. Of course, we were gonna hate him. He plays a kid, like what kid in that situation wouldn't be a little bit of a shit, you know, like he's, he's, he plays it perfectly. He, he's, he's really good and believable. And he's like, when he's scared, you believe that he's scared in this. That's what I love about the Terminator movies in general. And the first one, Linda Hamilton sells it really well that she's actually terrified of the Terminator. And then he he does the same thing in the second movie. Like he is genuinely terrified, but also kind of forming this connection with Arnold and, yeah, it's it's great. It's uh, it's weird to think that it's going to be 30 years old next month because the everything in it holds up so well. That chase scene is still one of the most intense chase scenes in a movie. So, yeah, it's I knew you were going to go for it. So, like, that's why I felt that like better about not picking it. And it's yeah, it's a very Damon pick, which is, I'm totally here for. <laughs> yes. I, I just more- looked up the release date and. Uh, I'm I'm apparently three weeks older than it. I was born June. I just came out in July of '91, so I, I just beat it to the punch. And I, I do think something else that needs to be mentioned. You just touched on Linda Hamilton. I mean, obviously uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and John Patrick is a T1000 kind of the focus, but I mean that is a, a role that is like iconic and defining. Uh, just like I mean, she's amazing in it, but also the physical transformation and uh, just how in shape she got for that she was like a precursor to she looked like she could have joined the avengers by by the (laughs) end of the movie um i honestly think my mom saw that movie and was like i'm working out every day and she really has (laughs) 30 years since (laughs) i love it that's pretty much all i was going to add so i guess we'll just move on to my next pick then okay so that was an amazing blockbuster of a sequel this next one is a little bit more on the tail end of the 90s. It is, let's see. So I went and saw, I think, two movies in the 90s. If I, The only ones I can remember, the very first one, was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. One of my favorite movies ever. I'm not drafting that, though. I just wanted to give it a shout out. <laughs> Ivan Ooze, 
OG right there. Love me, Ivanus. Um, but the other pick, uh, I went and saw this. This was like the actual big movie I remember vividly seeing. Went with my whole family. I still like, like viscerally remember like just how amazing certain parts were seeing it on the big screen. And I'm talking about the Mummy. Um, it's <laughs> it's such an amazing movie, such an ad- adventure movie. And I, I think really why I like The Mummy so much is it's a comedy, it's an action, it's an adventure. It's hot take maybe, it does Indiana Jones better than Indiana Jones does, added with mummies. I, yeah, y'all look at me like that, I'm gonna take it, I'm okay with that. Th- this is the kind of like ad- adventure and, and like real high high stakes kind of stuff I want in my adventure movies. Like, you know, you have Rick, who's just pretty much trying to get rich. And then you have Jonathan and Evelyn who, you know, want to try to find, what is it? Ham- I can never say it right. Hamunapatra? Sure. <laughs> I cannot say it, but, uh, you know, the city. So they, they just want to, like, get all this new information and just, you know, it's kind of like these secrets, right? And then you have these amazing supporting characters like Benny, who you love to hate so mm-hmm. much. Um, and then you have like the mummy himself who is terrifying, really. Like you start off with him being essentially like this juicy corpse. Like, you know, they, they make a point of telling you how juicy it's, this is, <laughs> they say it multiple times. Um, and then as he's like starting to, to eat people and, and consume them, he's starting to gain his, his body back. And like, you know, the, the iconic look where he's like half, half of his face is there mm-hmm. and half is just the skeleton is yeah. so amazing. Um, the the scene where they're like flying over him and he, he brings like the sand storm with his face, you know, swallowing them up. I love that. I love the fight with the skeletons at the, towards the end. The bugs, the, the flesh eating bugs still creep me out so much. Like, oh, that's this, the first scene where they show up still gets me. Mm-hmm. The chemistry between Brendan Fraser and our girl Evelyn is fantastic like i love the scene where they're getting drunk together and she's like i'm going to kiss you and then just like just passes out in her lap in his lap it's just so good um i love everything about this movie and we talk about it a lot uh kyle and me and and some of our other friends so i just want to make sure i got it before kyle did um i think this is peak 90s in my opinion so kyle how do you feel about that pick this has happened before where I mentioned I was rewatching a movie in prep for the podcast, and then it was stolen on the podcast. <laughs> uh, last night, I told Damon and our good friends that I was watching The Mummy. I was like, man, it holds up. I love this movie. And Damon was like, I just saw it the other day, and I, my, my heart dropped. I was like, God damn it. Now I'm going to have to fight him for it. But it's great. It's it's such a good movie. Um, yeah, I... I don't know if I would say it does Indiana Jones better than Indiana Jones, but I think it's up there. And I think that that's why it's so fun is like that. I was telling, so I, I watched it last night with, with friend of the pod crystal. And I was telling her, like, I love that like very distinct subgenre of like, not just adventure movies, but like historical, like globe trotting adventure movies. It's just so fun. Right. Like it just makes you want to travel. Um, that's why I love the uncharted games so much. And yeah, this is right. I'm, of that breed. Brendan Fraser is still so damn charming in this movie. Uh, he, I just miss him in movies these days. I know he's doing like doom patrol and stuff, but I just miss him being like an A-list star. 
he's so good in this movie. Rachel Weisz is, is obviously fantastic as as Evie. Um, yeah, it's just everyone's perfectly cast. It's it's one of those where like some of it is is dated and doesn't hold up. The special effects aren't like Terminator Two level, but it's okay because that's part of the charm. Like it's like like I just I I always loved how like ridiculous it gets and. The action is still really fun to watch. I love like the shootout that happens at their encampment and stuff. Super, super fun. Um, also, a movie that has a... I don't know what came first, the movie or the ride. I have to assume the ride came first. But the ride at Universal is also really, really fun. Um, the director of the... I think the movie came first because the director directed like the video that you watch while you're in line to to go on the on the ride. He like directed that, so I think it it came after the movie. But it it's just super fun. The cast is all again just electric. They work really well off each other. Um, sequels okay, you know, Mummy Returns is is decent, and then it kind of nosedives after that. But of course, the Mummy Returns gave us The Rock, so you can't <laughs> complain for that. <laughs> uh, Micah, what do you think about the Mummy? So I do not have nearly as. Uh deep and wealth of knowledge of the mummy lore as you guys both uh poured out i've definitely seen the mummy i would say this is a movie this is like the classic tbs tnt movie like when i was growing up i mean it was always not so i'm sure i've seen all of it but i've mostly seen it in like 15 minute segments at random times <laughs> um so as you were describing things like oh yeah i remember that part like the mummy's face we were talking about but um to me, it's just like a patchwork mosaic of a bunch of random scenes. Um, but you guys are making me want to like dive back in and, and watch it all the way through because that sounded pretty awesome the way you were describing <laughs> it. Um, and it's funny. So I don't really have a lot to add in terms of, you know, the actual content of the movie. But I feel like it's a movie that has um, kind of exited just the, the realm of its own movie and become kind of its own cultural artifact in kind of a couple different ways. It's kind of like the millennial movie now and you'll see that written about a lot online uh there will be like there's a popular meme that's like my sexuality is the is the cast of the mummy it's just various <laughs> hot mummy actors they should have tossed hot jafar in there you know just put <laughs> in there and so that's an interesting thing i also think that it's it's kind of undergone an interesting life cycle i don't know if this is 100 percent accurate but i feel like for a while people kind of liked it ironically they were like oh yeah the mummy's good but like like it's actually bad i enjoy because it it's bad but i feel like in recent years people have been like i know this is just like a, a really well-made action adventure movie that holds up well and it's kind of gone from like ironic detached amusement to genuine enjoyment in an ironic way if that makes sense i think it's kind of gone through this cycle and it's been more appreciated now than it probably was when it came out like it was a big hit when it came out made a lot of money but i feel like both probably like critically but more just amongst you know just like average movie watchers it has a more people more legitimately are giving it credit and being like this is a good movie same thing with brendan fraser i think people used to like ironically like him and now we're like oh, this guy kind of rules like bring back brendan fraser mm -hmm. those are my mummy thoughts i like that i dig it oh um, I, did, I did have one more one more thought that that kind of blows my mind and then which is 
they made a remake with Tom Cruise, and you'd think that would have been like a huge. He has zero footprint whatsoever. I know they were trying to kick off like the monster cinematic universe to rival the MCU without any planning. They went the DC route instead of Marvel route with that one. But how could a movie with like that IP behind it and Tom Cruise? Did anyone see it? You guys are big mummy guys. Did you guys even see it? I, the reviews I did. hit me before I got to. Yeah, and I watched p- bits and pieces. It. No life. It's just lifeless. Yeah. Very weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think even like, so I saw it and even I don't remember large parts of it. Like it's just, and it only came out like three years ago. So yeah, I just, it's baffling because I agree. There should have been more of a, like more discussion about it. It's like it came out and people just actively tried to forget it as soon as possible. Um, because th- that franchise is ripe for remakes. Like I would love to see a, a proper mummy remake done. And I think that they had a good idea. It just, the execution was really all over the place. Like maybe don't make it with the intention of a whole cinematic universe behind it. I know that's the, that's the temptation with a lot of things right now, but I think if they just made a mummy movie just to be a mummy movie, I think it would be, it would probably sell really well, especially like you're saying, Micah, people have come around on the original and they genuinely really like it now. So I feel like all of those people would be super into a a remake. Before we go to the next pick, I just wanted to say I think if they do like try to make another remake, lean into the horror, make it scary, like like you know like you're under you're in this crazy tomb, uh, you know tons of traps, all that. The mummy itself is a supposedly supposed to be this horrible creature. You know it's it's one of the big bads of you know the monster universe. Make make, you know make us scared. I think that should be how they go. Yeah. yeah, also, if they do a remake, I feel a very smart move to do is toss Brandon Fraser in there. Obviously, he's too old to be the lead, but have him be his character. Or, I mean, I would just have him be the same character as, like, a retired professor. Or, I, don't, I don't know. I'm thinking of him as Indiana Jones. Was he, a, was he an archaeologist <laughs> in the movie? I don't know what his, role, what his actual profession was. Just a mummy hunter. But have him, give it, have him be in the background. That'll bring people to the seats. Yes, that absolutely would. That's the cameo that wouldn't feel ham or, like, shoehorned in or anything i think people would be actually like disappointed if he wasn't in a mummy movie so that's a that's a no-brainer i agree all right kyle that brings us back around to you what's that second pick okay um so two of the ones that i i want are uh, in my i would say like my top 10 movies of all time they kind of fluctuate but the top five is pretty stationary um this movie initially was the number one for a really long time. It was my favorite movie of all time. It's bumped down to maybe like four or five now, uh, but it's still, I, I genuinely just adore this movie. Uh, I got to go with 1997's Goodwill Hunting. Um, just a fantastic movie. Uh, another example of my, I, I absolutely don't mind that I have two Robin Williams movies. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> These are his two best performances. Um, I think that, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, like writing the script, you know, not having done practically anything before this, they had acted in some stuff, but they really were very fresh writers. I think that was great. Um, And then, yeah, it's hard to separate the movie from the Robin Williams performance. I mean, it's just, it's a tour de force. I think it's genuinely one of the greatest performances anyone's ever given in the movie. He is just fantastic you can you can watch it as a as a social worker and be like that's not a good therapist and i agree like he he 
crosses some boundaries that you shouldn't cross as a therapist, but he is just so damn good in this movie. And I think that I, I love the, I mean, the, the iconic scene is that, you know, like the, it's not your fault scene towards the end, but I love the first meeting they have, the first appointment he has with Will, where Will is very defensive and, and um, like, you know, avoids his questions and stuff. And he just keeps going. He's like, keeps bringing it back to Will and like, do you like baseball? Do you? And he like keeps bringing it back to him and he just wants to connect with him. I love that scene. I love the park bench scene where he talks about how like, like you don't know the first thing about about love, you know. Like he he just kind of lays into him in like the most loving way, <laughs> um, and yeah, he's just fantastic. And then that's nothing to say about uh, Matt Damon as well. Like Matt Damon is still just the performance is just it holds up so well. He's so great as well, just a very complex character. Um, yeah, he's great. Uh, ben Affleck is great. You know, uh, Minnie Driver is fantastic as Skyler. I love their relationship. Very complicated, but very, very, very compelling. Um, yeah, it, it's a movie I saw for the first time maybe, I don't know, like six, seven years ago. And it was one of those experiences where, like, you're watching a movie and you're like, I'm not done with this movie yet, but unless something drastic happens, I'm watching my favorite movie for the first time. You know what I mean? Like, it just it hit me in such a profound way. And I think that... There are movies that are like entertaining, you know, like there are movies that you just put on to kind of veg out and watch. Um, and then there are movies that you watch and like, even if it's like a heavy movie, it just makes you feel better and like just makes you feel happy. So this is kind of a personal pick as well, but it's one that I can just turn on at any point and at any point in the movie. And it just makes me feel better about life <laughs> because like, uh, Will is a complicated guy and he's a troubled guy, but like it's easy to see a lot of myself in him and to see a lot of myself in the themes of this movie. And it just a lot of it still just rings true. And yeah, I, I think that the character of Sean McGuire, you know, uh, Robin Williams is just is utterly present in the movie and just plays off of not just Matt Damon, he plays off of Stellan Skarsgård so well with their kind of fractured friendship. I love that dynamic. Um, just everything in this movie just hits so, so well. Now, Damon, I, I know you saw this for the first time pretty recently, right? What did what did you think of it? Yes, this year, first time watch. Um, I very much enjoyed it. You know, it was I really liked the connection between the two. I thought Matt Damon and Robin Williams played so well off of each other. I really like Matt Damon's character, you know, the wise ass, you know, just kind of always just saying what he always what he always thought you know he never really filtered himself and him going against robin's character was i think a brilliant stroke you know just i loved that chemistry it's a movie that i think i'm gonna need to watch a couple more times to really really like you know get the scope of just how amazing it is it's another one of those movies that was hyped up for so long before i got to see it you know like i just saw it this year so it's like, oh, wow, you know, like you've talked about it multiple times. It's it's been everywhere, really. It's been parody of uh, my biggest thing of uh, Goodwill Hunting for the longest time was Goodwill Hunting 2, hunting season from uh, Jay and Silent Bob <laughs> Strike Back. You know, applesauce, bitch. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that. You know, I was like, this this was like, I kind of want to watch Goodwill Hunting if it's anything like this, but I knew it wasn't. <laughs> And I don't know why it took me so long to watch the movie. I love Robin Williams. I'm a big fan of Matt Damon, including that era, you know, like before he really like this was pretty much his his big 
coming out party like right in hollywood yeah. am i am i correct or oh yeah he he like i said he'd acted in a few things but this is i mean it was not either nominated for or won not mike is the oscars expert i believe it won best original screenplay right it did matt damon okay. and ben affleck won it together because they mm-hmm. they uh, wrote it or if you believe the family guy cutaway joke which is Matt Damon writing Good Will Hunting while Ben Affleck sits behind him eating Cheetos. <laughs> it, it won uh, two Oscars. It won original screenplay for the two of them, and Robin Williams won Best of Supporting Actor. Yeah. I think that that would have been the single... Now, they mess up a lot, but I think that would have been the single biggest snub if he didn't win the Oscar. I mean, that there's not a single performance that I think would would warrant beating him in that movie. So. Yeah, I don't have too much more to say. Like I said, I need to watch it again a couple more times to really feel like how I feel about it. But I really enjoyed it the first time through. So I'm glad I finally watched it. Micah, how do you feel about Goodwill Hunting? Damon, your passion for the mummy is how I feel about Goodwill Hunting. Kyle, as soon as you said it, you might have seen me shaking my fist. That was unquestionably uh, the pick I was going to take next. Uh, I've considered actually taking it as my first overall pick. It was between that and The Big Lebowski. Good Will Hunting is definitely a, a top 10 movie for, for me all time. Maybe top five, like you said. Um, I've seen it so many times. And it's still a movie that I don't have cable anymore. But when I did, and uh, it was one of those I would just get sucked into any any scene. And I'll just ride with it the rest of the way. I agree with really everything you said. I, I really think it's one of the best scripts I, uh, of any movie. And it, it kind of blows my mind that, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote it when they were so young. And, you know, neither of them have done a lot of writing of movies, even though they're two of the biggest stars and Ben Affleck's now a huge director. So it would be awesome to see them either solo or in tandem write another movie together. And it really is, like you said, just kind of a perfect storm. The, the performances are amazing. I agree. I think that the Robin Williams performance like every line is kind of insanely quotable. And I mean, as you're rattling off the scenes, you know, the park bench, uh, the I will end you, I will fucking end you, uh, is is amazing when he's talking about his wife. Uh, there's this great part that, uh, Kyle, you probably know this, which is when he's telling the, the story about his wife farting in bed and Matt Damon's just cracking up and he's... And, Robin Williams is just improvising that whole story and Matt Damon is just legitimately laughing his ass off as anyone yeah. would be. Robin Williams is telling you a story next to you. <laughs> um, I also think a, a thing that doesn't get enough credit in it because everyone talks about how great the Robin Williams and the Matt Damon performances are rightfully. Ben Affleck is also amazing in this movie. I honestly think mm. it might, it's a much smaller part, obviously, um, but he does get one of the best parts of the movie, which is the speech he gives towards the end of, you know, it's the best part of my day every day. It's going to your house and and knocking on the door and just hoping for those 10 seconds that one day you're not going to go no goodbye. You're just gone. Um, is great. And when he tells you, if you're, if you're here, you know, in, in 10 years, I'll kill, I'll kill you. (laughs) Really? It's funny, but it's also really poignant. He also gets one of the funniest scenes when he shows up as like fake will for this for this job interview, which is also amazing. But honestly, Retainer. I think <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> amazing. And, uh, you know, obviously reprises the role to perfection in Goodwill Hunting 2, Hunting Season. I don't like Will. Uh, maybe even better there. We, I mean, this is how great the movie is. We've been talking about it for several minutes. We haven't even mentioned the 
how do you like them apples which is the most famous scene in the movie and the yeah. most cool. that's a scene that is has has lived on beyond the movie that people who haven't even seen it know that um also just the best comeback put down of just the most condescending douche yeah. um yeah. although the guy does have the great line of uh, at least i'll have a degree while you'll be serving fries to my family in Vail. And uh, just a legendary, I mean, the, the douche per minute that that guy brings to the screen is is insane. He's on screen for three minutes and you, you don't forget him. Um, yeah, I love Goodwill Hunting. Like I said, that was 100%. My two picks that I wanted to get more than anything were Lebowski and Goodwill Hunting. And I came this close to snagging them both. But I'm just glad that it got taken and that we got to revel in its glory for several minutes because it's one of my faves of all time the draft order is ever so important yeah but you know that's the way the cookie crumbles um before we get to micah's next pick which is not goodwill hunting we're gonna go do a quick break and we're back and we're just talking 90s movies with our friend micah and it's his pick next he started the draft off with the big lebowski how are you gonna follow that man it's a tough act to follow, um, especially when uh, my beloved Goodwill Hunting just got taken off the board. But I've got several movies I'm eyeing here. There's honestly so many ways I can go right. I'm just trying to think of building a good, balanced board in a way. Um, so I took Big Lebowski, one of the funniest movies ever. I'm going to take my next movie that I'm going to go with. It's also very funny, but I would still classify it as a drama over a comedy. Um, and it's also one of my faves, a movie I've seen a ton of times, and I find it to be one of the most thought-provoking movies of the 90s, and really that I've seen in general, which is The Truman Show. So I'm going to go Truman Show for my second pick, uh, a movie that I, I love for a wide variety of reasons. One, I, I think it's one of the most prescient movies, really, that I can think of, in that it, it came out in 1998, I believe, um, you know, before kind of an obsession with reality TV, I mean, there still was reality TV before then, but, but it wasn't to the degree that it is now. And kind of the idea of someone's life being entirely documented. Now, nowadays, I mean, it's pretty common for a person to just be, you know, pumping out tweets and, you know, Snapchats and I sound like I'm 500 years old. Um, social medias, do you know how this works? Um, <laughs> the kid with their Facebooks and their Twitters. Um, but, you know, people, people's lives are entirely online and are entirely viewed by other people, but by choice. Obviously, this is going in a different direction, um, but it's really a fascinating movie. It's also a movie that seems like it could have like a million plot holes, but I really am impressed by how tightly they, they have it done. Um, Jim Carrey, obviously, you know, a legend, Jim Carrey. Um, this is maybe my favorite Jim Carrey performance um even though it's very different from a lot of his performances again going back to the oscars this is one of my greatest oscar snubs i have no idea how they didn't nominate him for this performance as well as the movie in a bunch of other categories i think it was just nominated for best supporting actor for ed harris who plays Kristoff, the guy who creates the truman show and he is fantastic in the movie but this is a movie with an amazing script uh just every part of it is great and it's another one of those movies that really benefits from rewatches. I remember the first time I watched it, I was pretty young. I was probably like 10 or 11 when I watched it for the first time. And I, I understood it because it's not that complicated. 
but on upon further rewatches, now I've probably seen it close to 10 times or something. There's just always new things to pick up on. Um, one of my favorite parts is this small moment. The first time that they really zoom out on the Truman Show, his his best friend, his fake best friend is talking to him. He's saying, Truman, I would never lie to you. Right as you hear Kristoff feeding the line into him. Yeah. And it is, it is a moment that always sticks with me. The Truman Show also has the double bonus of being the all-time paranoid movie. No one has ever watched The Truman Show and then not immediately gone, holy shit, I'm in The Truman Show. And they become immediately <laughs> suspicious of all their friends, all their family. And then, and then you psych yourself out. You, you go, there's layers to it. Because first you, first you think you're in The Truman Show, and then you go, wait a minute. If I was in The Truman Show, would they have made this movie to made me think about it? And then you think, yes, they would have. They're trying to doubly psych me out. So Black Mirror is one of my favorite shows. I think of this as kind of, it, it's really kind of like a Black Mirror episode. It could very easily be something like that. Um, but it's also super entertaining. It's not heavy, even though it explores all of these really interesting themes about a million different things. More Lenny is also amazing as his wife. I love the fake ads that she gives throughout the movie. Uh, which, to which he, he's just going, what are, you, what are you doing? Who are you talking to? And then it also has the amazing moment of the rain just falling on him. Mm-hmm. And also I would say a, a top 10 movie ending for me. One of the most inspired, just the last, the whole final 30 minutes is amazing when he finally crashes into the wall. Incredible. And honestly, one of the funniest ending lines of all time where the guys who've been watching him the whole time just go, oh, let's see what else is on and change the channel, which is pretty much, how I feel after, you know, you spend like hours binge watching a show. You commit hundreds of hours to it. And you're just like, all right, I'm done. Cool. Let's see what else is done. So for all those reasons and a million more, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Going with the Truman Show. I love it. Kyle, how do you feel about this pick? Yeah, this is, the, this is one that's very special to me and my family. So we like, for some reason, just my, not some reason, he's a great actor, but like my dad and I have always just bonded over Jim Carrey movies. And this was one of the first that we would like watch religiously just over and over again together. And I, I, I agree. I think it's, it's definitely his best performance. It's probably either this or eternal sunshine of the spotless mind for me. Um, both not <laughs> typical Jim Carrey performances, but that's why I love them. I think he is just fantastic when he flips the script like that. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's so good. I, it's weird that I loved it so much as a kid. Cause it is just a very introspective and, 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 deep thinking movie but it's just got a really 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 great charm to it um yeah i i i think it's really unique we i do agree that it's kind of like black mirror but other than that we haven't really seen something like like the truman show since since it came out it's just very unique i want to see more stuff like that you know um and yeah, I just I just think it's great. I agree about the ending. I remember the first time I've one of my like vivid childhood memories. I, I'm really bad with memories, so like a lot of my childhood is I don't remember. But one of the vivid memories I have was us all watching it for the first time and the ending and us we were like the audience in the movie watching it. We were all like cheering. We were like, Yes, he made it. Like it's such a inspiring moment. My favorite is the cutaway to the guy in the bathtub that's watching it and he's like, Yeah, Truman. <laughs> hey you on Truman. That guy's amazing. Yeah. Who's that guy in Oscar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The heat check performance. <laughs> uh it's it's so good. It's so inspiring. I, I do think the the nomination was deserved for Ed Harris. He was great. But yeah, Jim Carrey 
if he was going to get a nomination for anything, it absolutely should have been. It, it should have been Truman. Like that movie does not work with anyone but him. I mean, I say that ironically because I think for the, our Muppets movie draft, I did pick this movie and replaced him with the Muppet. Uh, so maybe that's the one exception. Maybe he's the character is great if it's played by Kermit or something. But um, I, I think it's great. I think that it, it, it's cerebral, but it's still funny. Um, and another one, this is a great trend that we're building of all these movies that are just endlessly quotable because the way that Micah finished off there, like that's such an iconic quote and there's so much more. It's just, yeah, it's iconic. What do you think, Damon? I love Truman Show. Y'all said there hasn't been anything really done like it. The only movie that really like I think of when I think of the Truman Show, have y'all seen the movie Ed TV? Yes, that's a great movie. Yeah, I have not seen it, but I have it pulled up on my IMDb page right now because I was going to make a joke about it, saying, "Kyle, you don't find it on the same level as the Truman Show, but take it away, Damon." <laughs> no, I mean, TV it just has the same kind of vibe. I think it was Matthew McConaughey, if I'm not mistaken. Like they just cameras follow him around 24 seven, and like this is his choice. So it's like, hey, we're you know he's very very aware of it. So it's a very different kind of vibe than the Truman Show, but similar. You know, much more you know, real life kind of stakes, but the Truman show is so charming. It has such a unique aesthetic. Like, you know, everything looks so perfect because, you know, it's supposed to be, it's this TV show. Um, it's so like, it's so bright. I always remember, you know, just, I haven't seen the movie in such a long time and I don't know why. I just feel like it hits me in so many different ways. I, I just haven't watched it in a while, but Jim Carrey is one of my favorites. Like, I mean, if we were doing 90s actors draft, he would maybe be my number one. If we were yeah. doing 90s comedies, it would just be half Adam Sandler movies and half Jim Carrey movies, and I'd be okay with it. Jim Carrey's just such a a brilliant guy in everything he does. I need to watch this movie again because it's like bits and like you know I I remember it. I know what happened, but like the the details are very foggy for me, and I hate that because I know this is such a good movie. Um, what's your what's y'all's favorite part of the movie? Uh, like I said, I would go with the the end. I mean, from when he's on the boat and that whole thing, and Kristoff literally going to the length of almost killing him, uh, leading to another great line where he's like, "Is that the best thing you've got? You're gonna have to kill me." <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, you also you mentioned. Uh, kind of the production design and all these bright colors. It also is really brilliant the way that it uses the camera because they have it within the world of the Truman Show. There's hundreds of cameras in things like pencil sharpeners and vending machines and all these different things. And th they simulate that in the movie. So the, sh the shots are constantly changing. I also love the kind of like manic episode he has with his wife where he puts Meryl in the car and uh, round and round they go, round and round we go. And uh, <laughs> I mean, the whole the whole thing is just fantastic. I uh, I love it. Also, shout out for a very early small Paul Giamatti performance as the That's reluctant right. to just murder Truman on live television, yeah. leading to the terrifying Kristoff line where he says, "We can't kill him on live television," and Kristoff says, "He was born on live television," which is like a really sinister and dark and fucked up line and thing to say. Like it's a it's a great line, but there's kind of a lot of truth to it. Like the, the things, Oh, it's on TV. Anything can happen. Why not? Um, but everything about the movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. Kyle. And what was your favorite part? 
<laughs> yeah, all of that plus. Um, <laughs> I, I really love the moment where his dad tries to break through and, and get get through to him. Always broke my heart growing up. And I just think it as a kid, it was like one of those early memories of of like I was exclusively watching like Star Wars and Disney movies. And then I would watch this movie and be like, oh, wow, this is what a real movie moment looks like. <laughs> like when there's no, you know, like magic going on and this is like, oh, this is real stuff. Uh, and I, that just always stuck with me. But yeah, it's just it's a great performance by him. And then just the ending, because it's just there's something so life affirming about it that you just watch it and you want to go like conquer the world. <laughs> it's just utter serotonin. <laughs> I love it. All right. That's Micah's second pick. So that means it's Micah's third pick. I'm ready for pick number three. Uh, Real fast before pick number three, I did just check this and I want to correct myself. I think I said the only Oscar nomination it got was for Ed Harris, but apparently it also got nominated for Best Director and Best Original Screenplay. As a a guy who both loves Oscar trivia and also is constantly finding himself shaking his head while listening to podcasts while people mess up Oscars. Not your guys' podcast, of course, but other movie podcasts where people mess up Oscars nominations for different years. And I'm going, it was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I had to correct myself, and uh, I did look that up. So it, it nabbed an impressive three. Yeah. But moving on uh, to my third pick, I'm debating between a couple here, or really like 20 here, but I've narrowed it down to two. Um, one that I like more, and one that would diversify my portfolio a bit more. But this one... Um, I got to go with my heart and go with the one that is another one of my favorites of all time. And I feel like it actually pairs really nicely with the Truman show in that it's also very philosophical and very thought provoking. I can see Damon, the wheels in his head turning as he tries to figure out what movie it's going to be. I'll give you a little hint, which is I listened to your guys' time travel draft a little while back, which I enjoyed a lot. And this movie went undrafted and I would call it, it's not time travel, but it plays with time. One of my faves, which is Groundhog Day. Yeah. Um, and I think I think if you guys, I think one of you drafted Palm Springs, um, which was fantastic, and I love Palm Springs. But if Palm Springs is legit, uh, Palm Springs is a spinoff of Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day has actually become like its own genre, in a sense, in that, like, I can't even think of another movie like this where you can be like, oh, this is Groundhog Day, but it's like this. Die right. Hard, same way. Like, oh, it's Die Hard, but in a plane. Um, where there are just Groundhog Day movies. Edge of Tomorrow is one, which is also awesome, and you guys talked about that, and Palm Springs. Um, but Groundhog Day is kind of the original of that, or maybe there's ones before it, but it's the one that I think does it best. Mm-hmm. Uh, another movie I've seen countless times, and a movie that I just find endlessly fascinating, in addition to it being really hilarious. I mean, it's the Bill Murray performance also, I think, is one of the very best and one of the very funniest performances. Groundhog Day is fascinating for a lot of reasons. It's also kind of become embraced by, like, a bunch of different religions as, like, oh, Groundhog Day is a fundamentally Jewish text or it's a fundamentally this text. Um, no, I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, I teach at a Jewish school. I know of what I speak. I've taught it in a, in a, in a film class before that I've taught. Uh, and I think it's because it speaks to something profound about what the meaning of life is and kind of the search for it and the process of that search and how we can find ourselves in kind of the small little bits of life, the things that we're trying to discard, right? This is a guy who absolutely detests Punxsutawney and thinks it's this worthless town. 
and grows to love it. Um, not in spite of all those things, but he learns to embrace these things that he didn't uh, didn't think mattered to him. It's also like the Truman Show, another one that has great conversation things that spark from it. Like, what would you do if you had infinite time or if you were stuck in the same day for 10,000 years? Would you learn a language? Would you become somehow an ice sculptor, which is a pretty rad thing he does? Also has one of the coolest musical moments in any movie, him playing piano at the end is a moment mm-hmm. that when I was a kid, I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to become a jazz pianist and I'm going to play the riff at the end of Groundhog Day because nothing looks cooler than that. <laughs> and I never once learned to play piano. But it still looks awesome. Um, Ned Ryerson, possibly the best cameo performance of all time. Uh, Needle Nose Ned, Ned the Head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. So Groundhog Day, another one of my all-time faves. That's what I got to say about Groundhog Day. Micah just stays bringing up sins of past podcasts. It's okay though. <laughs> it's uh, not a sin. It just I'm I'm just a fan. I'm just I'm just letting you know I'm I'm listening and taking up the heart. A lot of people were fan. not okay with us not drafting that movie. A lot of people were just like, "What's wrong with y'all?" So I'm I'm glad that uh you know at least the movie is getting drafted. Yeah. You know even if it's only for the '90s. Kyle, how do you feel about a uh, Groundhog's Day? Yeah, this is such a good movie. We so. You know, our first episode with Micah was about, you know, our dream actor-director combos. And I would say one of the best actor-director combos is Harold Ramis and, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, Harold, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. Like, it is so good. I think that, you obviously they have the, pri- the prior relationship due to Ghostbusters, but they just work so well together in this movie. Um, yeah, I, I agree about Ned. I don't think there's a cameo that, consistently makes me laugh as much as that one i that's the moment when i re, i haven't rewatched this movie in a long time but when i rewatch it i just wait for that moment i just look forward to him seeing ned um and then you've got like you got an incredible early michael shannon just randomly showing up like he's great uh andy mcdowell i love the relationship between bill murray and andy mcdowell it's very charming um yeah it's one of those I love when there's a movie that you hear a song and you immediately associate it only with that movie. And that's, I got you babe with this movie. Like I'll never hear that song and not immediately think of groundhog day. Uh, so it's almost like a trigger for me. Cause like he hates that song in this movie. Uh, so I have kind of grown to hate it, but he, yeah, Bill Murray is just in rare form. Another legendary uh, comedic actor, turning in, I mean, he's, it's a comedic performance and turning in a bit of a serious side in this movie. And it's also just fantastic. He's so good. This is up there. I think my favorite of his is probably still Ghostbusters, but this is right up there. Um, like maybe at number two, he's, he's just, he's so good. Um, so yeah, I, I can't, I stand by that. I, I think Palm Springs is a better movie, but I, I can't absolutely can hate on picking the OG because like you said it's pretty cool to have a whole genre basically named after your movie and that's absolutely what Groundhog Day is so Damon what do you think yeah I mean time loop movies are some of my favorites and the fact that I didn't go with Groundhog's Day is because it's one that I just never really watched much as a kid and uh by the time I, I became an adult I was like I like these more anyways you know it's it's good movie it is it's enjoyable I love Bill Murray but I 
love Palm Springs. I love Edge of Tomorrow. I love Every Day is Christmas. That that was my Groundhog's Day. Like, I legit watched that movie so many times as a kid. And then when people told me, oh, yeah, that's Groundhog's Day, but Christmas. I'm like, what are y'all talking about? This is Christmas, not Groundhog's Day. But, you know, I found out, of course, it's all, you know, it's all goes back to Groundhog's Day. But I just love the, the question of, like, what time loop movies ask you. You know, it's like, it kind of is an allegory for, like, people being stuck in their everyday life, you know, just doing the same stuff over and over again, essentially living in a time loop. And I, I love when people actually get in the time loop. You see, like, it almost, like, it kind of takes the walls down of, like, what can someone do? Like, you can technically do anything you want to and nothing at all. Because it doesn't matter at the end of the day, because it's not the end of the day. It's going to be the same day when you wake up. Um, so a lot of existential stuff and situations and questions that, you know, you can be asked from these movies. But, I mean, that's a great movie. And I will say, I just want to clarify why I did not pick it in the draft. I just figured someone else was going to draft it. And I was like, I, I, like, I don't like it enough to draft it, but I know someone else will. So we'll be okay. And then Kyle and Kelly decided to not do that and really kill us all. So, thanks, yeah. guys. <laughs> you guys were like two outfielders looking at a pop fly and then assuming the other one would catch it. It's like all <laughs> badly before you. You can exactly. say the Nationals. It's okay. You can, you can just say the Nationals. <laughs> I root for the Royals. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I feel you there. <laughs> I don't like baseball, but it's okay. <laughs> All right, so that's Groundhog's Day. It has been drafted on the 90s movies uh, draft, and that leads us to Kyle's next pick. Uh, what you got for us, man? man? Yeah, just like Micah, I am I am torn between so many different movies, but I think I'm going to go with... Okay, so I'm going to go with one just to keep things you know diverse among my picks. This is a genre that, honestly, I would say not, the 90s are... It's a very weak decade for the horror genre because you have a lot of series that started and really kind of die out in the 90s. You have just weird, like, teen kind of horror movies. But this is one that absolutely stands the test of time. Damon's giving me the eyes. I don't know if he wanted this movie or not, but I have to go with 1996's Scream. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, man. Such a good movie. Uh up there with my favorite horror movies of all time um i think honestly like wes craven i think this might be my favorite movie of his the original a nightmare on elm street is a classic but like scream is just so inventive so original uh i don't i don't think we have movies like cabin in the woods without scream you know it it very much is a, a send-up of the horror genre while also picking it apart just such a smart script um, and another one that's just endlessly rewatchable, right? Like it moves at a lightning fast pace. Um, you've got one of the greatest, I will hear no arguments, one of the greatest uh, performances in a horror movie from Nev Campbell. Just so good. I, I love her in this movie. Um, yeah, you've got my boy Shaggy, Matthew Lillard, who's just also fantastic. Uh, it's just, I, I, I think that, this is exactly what this decade needed for the horror genre. Like I said, even Wes Craven's own franchise, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street was kind of dying out. I believe New Nightmare came out in 94, um, which is a good movie, but like that franchise was definitely on its last legs. Uh, 
X came out in 2000, you know, shortly after this, and that was the 10th Friday the 13th movie. So these these horror franchises were franchises were really reaching the end before they started revamping them now. Um, and Scream is just like the, what this genre breathes so much fresh air into the genre. Um, yeah, I said I don't think we have like that that great blend of horror comedy without scream maybe we have it but it's a very different genre without scream which basically defines the the horror comedy i hate you kyle (laughs) i love this movie so much and i'm glad someone else wanted it because that just you know proves that it should have been drafted it's one of the best horror movies ever made in my eyes It, it really like changes the game of what you can do in horror movies it's it's really one of the most meta takes it really started the whole meta horror movie genre really like i mean it it has horror movies being played in the background you know that's done been done before but like it was so aware of itself you have randy giving the speech of like you know what you can't do in a horror movie and how you know who who dies one of my favorite scenes ever. And then right after that, Stu's like, I'll be right back. (laughs) And of course, it ends up being one of the killers, which is, I mean, the whole, you know, Ghostface, the fact that it was, it was Billy and Stu was such a shocker where I remember when I first watched, I was like, what? But like, there was no way it was Billy, but you were like, well, it had to have been Billy. Like it, you were like, it had to be Billy. But then like, there were so many feints and like twists and like you never really knew who was going to be the killer and then it ended up being two different people i just remember being like gobsmacked when that mm. happened i love nev campbell in this role like what makes this movie is the fact that she fights back she isn't stupid like she doesn't do all the idiotic things that gets you killed in a movie you're like oh let me go listen see what that noise is she's like literally throwing punches at this these people and then you realize well, she is fighting other high school kids, so it's a little bit easier for her to do so. But it's still really fun. It's so great. The mask is iconic. Like, they really lucked out on that. Really glad they changed the name. You know, it used to be what's called Scary Movie, which, of course, we got a really great Scary Movie parody series. Those are some good ones. And we wouldn't have gotten that without Scream, really. Yeah. So it, it's done so much for the horror, horror genre. Wes Craven? This was his third third act. I mean, he started with what Hills Have Eyes, and uh, The Last House on the Left. Then he hit us with with uh, Freddy in the Nightmare series, mm-hmm. and then this like the fact that you could go like get three just like kind of three different levels of the horror genre like decades spanning is just so good. I love Wes Craven. I love this movie. I hate you, Kyle. <laughs> Micah, how you feel? I don't have a lot to add about Scream. This is not an Aladdin situation. I legitimately have not seen Scream. Um, now, movies that is so much a part of the public consciousness that even though I have not seen the movie, I know everything about it. It might help that I've seen Scary Movie 50 times, one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time. So all the, all, they're all just slightly skewed references. So even, for example, you talking about the killers at the end, I know who the killers are because I've seen Scary Movie. The reason I haven't seen Scream is because when I was younger, um, I got uh, had a very negative experience with a different 90s horror movie that I will leave unmentioned for now in case it gets taken by someone who most definitely is not me. Um, <laughs> that, that one uh, shook me off the genre for quite a while. Now, doesn't, horror movies don't bother me at all. 
I just don't, I rarely seek them out. Um, I love thrillers. Like I love psychological thrillers. Like for example, I watched, um, we actually had talked in our last draft about Midsummer, mm. um, and which I hadn't watched then, but not because I was trying to avoid it. I just hadn't gotten around to. And I watched that and I loved it, but that's much more like a psychological thriller than a horror movie. But now um, I actually enjoy horror movies if, if they're well done. I just haven't really gone back and sought out all the ones that I missed over the years. But Scream is one that I'm sure would be a blast. It just sounds like a, a super fun movie. Um, even with knowing all of kind of everything it's about. And like you said, hugely influential um, just because of, you know, all of the kind of not like fourth wall breaking, but just the knowing winks of knowing you're in a genre picture, which, you know, that extent is not just horror movies, you know, even something like Deadpool. I don't know if it has, like, if you can owe it to that. I don't know when the Deadpool comics actually started. I know they're fairly. I think it was before. Yeah, yeah but, it but it's early in, 90s. The, in the same vein of just like, um, especially, I think Scream's another movie that's a little bit ahead of its time in that it came out before the internet. But now in like the internet age, everyone is so like knows every twist of every genre you know they're they're so people their fandoms are so like deeply knowledgeable that it's hard to get away with like oh here's a horror movie heroine who's just a complete idiot like damon was talking about like you have to be aware of the actual um cliches of the genre and play off them a bit it's hard to just do it completely straight-faced and that, that's something more and more you see is things are usually playing with genre a bit. And, you know, Scream, I just think of even without seeing it, just from what I know about it, is one of the kind of, not originators of that, but a really influential one in that kind of realm. I dig it. Um, yeah, I, I love this movie. Kyle, any other thoughts? It's also to, so I feel better about saying this now that Mike said that though he hasn't seen it, he knows like a lot of the stuff about it. I, I wish I had been alive to see this in the theater because I imagine it must have been wild going into this thinking, wow, I'm going to watch this Drew Barrymore horror movie and then she's killed off in the opening scene. Like, what a bait and switch, right? I love that because it was definitely marketed and billed as this Drew Barrymore horror movie and I don't think she'd ever done a horror movie before. So it was like this huge thing. And yeah, the opening scene that that's such an iconic opening scene and it you don't know what is going to happen after that. You're like, holy crap, they killed what I think is the main character. So it's it's just iconic. You also have the really great Wes Craven doing the Alfred Hitchcock director cameo and he's got Freddy's uh, jumpsuit and hat on or I mean his sweater and hat on. He's like the school janitor. I love that. You know, you've got Henry Winkler as the principal, which is always fun because Henry Winkler is iconic. Uh, yeah, it's just such an iconic movie. Fun shout out to um, our good pal Jim we had on for the 90s TV show podcast, his favorite movie of all time. So shout out to Jim. Um, oh, yeah, just a taste. fantastic movie. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I'm a fan of all the other sequels. Some people say it's like diminishing returns. I think every single one of them, even the third one, <laughs> while the twist is a bit much they're all fun i even like i really really like scream 4 so i think they're all worth it and just shout outs to you know our girl courtney cox is gail who's just like the character you just want nev to just back smack like every single movie and then dewey you know by oh, our boy dewey. david arquette who's just like Too you want to like this him, world and then he does something and you're like oh come on dewey like don't do that <laughs> you're like you, you yeah. should know better 
I'm, I'm assuming you guys are aware of this. I actually wasn't, or maybe I had heard about it and forgot. Um, but while you guys were chatting, I was, I just pulled up Scream on IMDb, and there's a new Scream installment coming out next yep. year. Yep. Uh, they haven't listed Justice just called Scream. I, I, maybe they're all hoping, maybe just running the back. I'm assuming it's not a reboot, that it's just a continuation of the franchise. Because I see Courtney Cox listed in the cast, so I'm assuming she's probably playing the same character. I'm yeah, excited she, for it. Give me all the Scream, you know. She's, I'm, she's I'm, back. I'm convinced. Watch Scream 1. It, it's great. I, Damon, I, I do disagree about 3, just because I think it's takes some wild turns but it's totally fair i actually still haven't seen four so i need to watch that before five comes out because i do i love two two is such a fun movie and it's got a really really great performance from uh what's his name timothy olifant yes scream four is like it's the first scream in the modern age you know you have like social media and everything and it tackles it in such a clever way in my Mm. opinion so I, i like it it's definitely worth the watch so let us know when you watch the first one, Micah, and let us know how you like it. So I will. Also, shout out to Carmen Electra in Scary Movie and the opening scene grabbing Anna and the options are like a gun, <laughs> a knife. <laughs> Kills me every time. God, I uh, love Scary Movie. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, okay, before we get to my next pick, we're going to take another quick break. Welcome back from break. We are talking about 90s movies with our good pal Micah. Um, we're jumping back to Damon for his next pick. What you got for us? I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> we were talking at the break that, like, you know, Kyle's gotten both Aladdin and Scream. Those are my... Aladdin was my second movie I wanted, and Scream was my fourth. So now I'm, I got to kind of scramble. I got I, I got t- I got a list of 27 movies, not as big as y'all's. But, like, the next four I have on my list, five through eight, is, like, they're all in this one tier. I'm, like, I'm okay with any of them. I just don't know which ones I want to go with. There's two that I think would have more votes, and I love. I do love them. But the other two movies I think I enjoy personally more, and that's always kind of the struggle in these these drafts. Like, do I want to go simply for what I enjoy, or I don't, do I want to, like, go with something I like that is also representative of this this decade, you know, and this time in movies where it should be on this draft by somebody. So I think I'll go one of my picks will be that pick, that it, it needs to be picked. People would probably riot if it was not picked. Uh, this is a lot of people's favorite movie. It was my uh, ex-roommate's, like, favorite movie. Like, their their wedding poster was, like, a, was uh, inspired by this movie. Um... It's the graphics, the the special effects of this movie hold up maybe more than any other movie. Like Jurassic Park is a classic. Okay? And it holds up so well. Alright. The dinosaurs are they're real, right? They look real. They still do to this day. I'll never forget seeing the T right like that the whole big spanning shot when you first see them all on the island was just breathtaking. Um, I unfortunately, of course, didn't get to see this in theaters. I was like three years old, you know. Um, I saw the third one in theaters. Third one was not bad. It was fun. It was not good, but it was not bad, okay? Yeah. Um, that's just the 
the problem with being born in 91. You know, you get all these good movies that you didn't get to see, but all the sequels are coming out as you're like getting older and you're like, I gotta go see that. And then the sequels are just like, oh, well, eh, they're not as good. <laughs> um, but I, I love this movie. It's so fun. You got that little cameo by Samuel L. Jackson smoking the cigarette that like never is ashed ever. Like it's just down to the to the to the bottom of it. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's amazing. Uh, I think the kids do such a great job. Like we've talked about before, in movies you tend to hate the kids. You think they're annoying or they're just not very talented actors. I think both of them did a really good job, I, especially the girl. Like. I, they were very believable. I mean, you know, of course, most of the time they just had to play scared. They played scared pretty damn well and authentic. So love that. I love the Raptors. Um, I, I forget the name of the uh, dinosaur, but the one with the with the hood that mm. spits at uh, our boy who in the in the jacket. You know, he was just a bumbling idiot. I always remember that scene. That was always fun. Uh, Jurassic Park's just a, a classic. You know, it, it spawned it, the seventh movie the sixth movie's coming out i think next year mm-hmm. or this year dominion yep. jurassic world Min- dominion it's still going strong so i think it had to be picked and i love it it's been a minute since i've seen it because i watched it so many times as a kid so i had to go for that micah how do you feel about jurassic park being off the board uh what i think about jurassic park being off the board is that you are trying to monopolize all of the ip movies and <laughs> You you heard him say Terminator and the Mummy, and you said, screw you think I've got that. Let me take Jurassic Park. Um, it's funny because, you know, you know, it's something that we hear about all the time. Nowadays, almost all big movies are like IP movies, blockbuster movies. One of the cool things about this 90s draft is how many movies we're getting that are like standalone. But Damon's just snatching them left and right. Although Kyle just took Scream. So, you know, that's another, that's another one in the genre. Um, Jurassic Park is awesome. Um, I agree with what you said about um, much like Terminator 2, those are maybe the two movies more than any where the effects just hold up incredibly. It helps when your directors are James Cameron and Steven Spielberg, who are just probably like two of the best visual directors of all time. Uh, You've got a guy getting eaten off a toilet, which is not something that happens in every film and uh, is, is amazing. And you've got Newman in this movie, you know? taking a little break from Seinfeld to just hop into Jurassic Park land. Um, I don't honestly know if I've seen two and three. I, I saw Jurassic World and the sequel to Jurassic World, and I've obviously seen the, I've seen the first one a bunch of times. I probably saw two and three when I was younger, but I haven't seen them in a long time. Are they worth revisiting? No. No. <laughs> I'll just watch I, Jurassic World again. <laughs> the second one I would say is worth it because it's – I think Sam Neill's fine, but Jeff Goldblum is obviously the best character in these movies, and he's the lead role in the second movie. And then you have Julianne Moore, who's also fantastic. So I, I would I would recommend the second one. Yeah, and the scene the scene where they where the kids are hiding uh, is it are they are they hiding from the raptor or are they hiding? Yes. I, mean, yeah, it, I mean that's just that is one of the most that that's a super intense scene. I mean that is uh, so it's a movie that's really really fun, but also genuinely thrilling. And and exciting, and you know it would really suck and be hard to rewatch now if the effects just didn't hold up, because it would feel really cheesy and hokey. But it, it just doesn't feel dated at all. And I also I'm not sure what your guys' thoughts were. I I I really like Jurassic World a lot. I was pretty lukewarm on Fallen Kingdom. I, I I there was a lot of I only saw it once in theaters, 
I kind of started dozing off in the last 20 minutes. I just remember a dinosaur just like trashing a mansion was my, that's that in my mind, that's what the movie was. Them going, there was like an auction or something. And there's just a dinosaur just annihilating a mansion. <laughs> Jurassic Park is amazing. I, I will say when you started saying one of the best movies of the 90s, I'm keeping track as I'm sure you guys are of everyone's picks. I started jotting down what I thought it was. Then you said wedding poster. I changed it to a different movie. Both of these have not been drafted. So I'll save what I thought they were until the end. I am curious to see what this Jurassic Park wedding poster looks like. That I would like to see. Yeah, it's uh, pretty dope. It's, they, like, it's like the, the red, like the warm red. And then like, you know, you have like the silhouette of the dinosaurs. It's the silhouette of them instead. Um, I'll have to see if I can find a, a picture of it. That's and awesome. then last, last thought about Jurassic Park is one of the best scores of all time. I mean, mm. it's John, so you know you're getting something good. And, you know, you can do a whole draft just of John Williams scores. I think my favorite John Williams score is Superman. I love the Superman score, but um, I used to walk to class and listen to it. Like when I was at college, I went to KU and I would walk to class uh, with, and I'd have my iPod uh, bumping some jams. I would list, I would just listen to John Williams scores and the, the, the Superman theme would come up and I'm like, Hell yeah. I am ready to sit in this auditorium and listen to a biology lecture. Let's go. I'm so <laughs> pumped. But the Jurassic Park one is, it's, it's, I think, the most emotional one. You hear those chords, and it's just like, it's very poignant and just like kind of stirring emotionally. I'm not sure why, because I don't know anything about music theory. But uh, John Williams knows what he's doing. He knows what's up. Yeah, he does. And uh, Kyle, you're big fan of suit, that Superman movie. Uh, I talked yes. about it many times before, so no, you like that. Uh, how do you feel about Jurassic Park? Yeah, man, this is uh, first of all, I'm a little confused. I don't know what you guys are talking about with the effects because those were definitely real dinosaurs, right? Like those <laughs> were real dinosaurs that they got in that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's such a great movie. I had it a little lower on my short list, but I I'm really glad it got picked. I do think if we went the whole draft and none of us picked it, that would have been just an absolute sin. Um, but it, yeah, it is just utterly like rewatchable, entertaining. I think for me, like it's interesting because with the sci-fi genre, what I love about the sci-fi genre is that you can get stuff like I, I, I tend to lean towards more of the, like the moody atmospheric kind of thought provoking sci-fi, you know, like the Blade Runner stuff like that. But I really appreciate sci-fi that just like is so like light and entertaining. I mean, it, it's a scary movie but it's also it never loses its charm or it's like entertaining factor um i mean the run that spielberg had in the 80s and the 90s is just unprecedented like he the fact that he released this and another movie in 98 that i won't mention in case one of us picks it uh he he's just he was on top of his game this entire decade and uh yeah, I I personally don't think he's ever made an adventure movie like this since then. I, I'm actually disappointed in the last few movies he's made. I think he's gone a very boring route, but it's okay because he's still a great director and he's he still knows what he's doing. I just want to see him move back to like a more like, you know, like Ready Player One was kind of an attempt at it. I want to see something like Jurassic Park again with with him, but it it's utterly yeah, it's so rewatchable. Wayne Knight is is so good in this movie. I love Samuel L. Jackson. Um, uh, Laura Dern is probably one of the earliest uh, movie crushes I had growing up. Was uh, was Ellie Sattler? She is she's iconic in this movie. Um, 
yeah it's it's just it's perfect all the memes that come from this movie micah was talking about how the mummy is like the millennial rallying movie this is kind of the same way and that it has like so many memes attached to it and it's like that's like a uh uh that's how you find your people on the internet. The people who like post Jurassic Park and mummy memes like that's I want to hang out with those people. <laughs> I love it. Yep. I had to get it off the board. So uh, I think that means I'm going to go to my next pick. So this one is going to be a little bit more for myself. I had to go comedy. Uh, my board is pretty action heavy. You know, like I was talking about these big IPs. This one's sort of IP. Um but it's one of my favorite movies from the 90s. It's hilarious. I laugh so hard every single time. It has an amazing soundtrack. One we actually talked about in our soundtrack draft. And I'm talking about Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. Near, near, near. Um, <laughs> I love this movie so much. I mean, Dana Carvey and Michael, Mike Myers, you know, their whole personal history aside... The fact that they're doing commercials together now warms my heart because I guess, you know, nothing says a reunion like, uh, yeah, that money, that commercial money. So I love it. <laughs> but ugh, their chemistry is is un, like just otherworldly. Like, you know, this is based off their SNL skit, which I watched a bunch growing up. We've talked about it before. I had the 90s SNL, like those episodes on reruns, just watching over and over again as a kid. I think it was on E at that time or Comedy Central. And I would just watch over and over and their skits were great. But this movie, like, I mean, the Bohemian Rhapsody headbanging scene is iconic. It's classic. You got Garth daydreaming, you know, Foxy Lady. You know, he's like the whole the whole idea of like, you know, if you spew and she walks away, well, it wasn't meant to be. But if you spew and she's there for it, then that's that's love, you know. Along those lines, I, I love it. Um, Dreamweaver, when he sees sees her for the first time, you know, she's just, you know, just rocking out. And he's, he's just, you know, puppy doll guy. I love it. I love her so much. I mean, I like her versions of those songs more than the original versions. Like, no, that's not being facetious. I, I love those covers so much. She's fantastic. I love their relationship together in the movie. Rob Lowe is despicable. You know, Rob Lowe is really good at doing that. I love that. Um, and this movie's just, it's a classic. So many great lines. I could watch it over and over and over again. I have. And it's also no, another movie where I enjoy the sequel just as much. You know, um, I don't, I say I like it. Sometimes I say I like it more, but I think that's just, you know, be a be a bit of a contrarian, but I like them both so much. You know, the second one has the, the hockey scene, you know, game on, game off, game on just over and over again but the first one is is my pick for this uh last pick for me what y'all think kyle yeah man it's we we have talked about i think this is the third time it's come up on this podcast we talked about it with austin with our our, our um fictional band and we talked about it with olivia with our soundtracks it's just such a fun movie i think if you if you love music at all and, and most people do this is like a must see, you know, like this is, this is such a love letter to the rock scene. And, and I just, yeah, it, what I love about Wayne's world is that it's just very like, um, it puts you in a good mood. Like the rest of these picks for all of us, they're great movies. 
I don't know a lot of them that I would just put on at any in, like for any mood I'm in, but I would probably put Wayne's World on. Like it just it always puts me in a good mood. Uh, I agree about the music is fantastic. Um, Mike Myers and and Dana Carvey just the one of the best comedy duos. Just they're so good together. And yeah, I, I think that uh, this is probably this is when I think about comedies in the '90s. Damon, you said this earlier. I I definitely think about like Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey first, but this is one that like I just don't consider for some reason. And then when I think about it and watch it again, I'm like, why, why do I not think about this right away? Cause it's definitely one of my favorite nineties comedies. It's just, it's, it's so rewatchable. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree about Rob Lowe. I, I, one of the reasons I really love parks and rec is that he totally flips the script there. Like he's one of the nicest people ever in parks and rec. Cause usually he's just such a scumbag. So yeah, he's, he's great in this movie. <laughs> uh, Micah, how do you feel about Wayne's world? Uh, I feel similarly. It's hilarious. I haven't seen it in quite a long time. I probably haven't rolled like all the way through in like 15 years. That was another one that was just a, a classic on cable all the time, on Comedy Central a ton. Um, and so I'd, I'd catch it here and there. Um, and yeah, no, my main thing I was going to contribute that you guys have already both touched on was, was douche Rob Lowe. This combined with Tommy Boy, that's a great twin bill of just asshole Rob Lowe and it's great. And um, and I, yeah, I also think of the first time that Tia Carrere's character, I think it's how her name's pronounced, that, that her character comes on and he sees her for the first time. That That's an image that very much sticks in my mind. And obviously the Bohemian Rhapsody scene. And I, I was thinking about what you were saying, Kyle, about when you hear 90s comedy and when Damon started saying that, I immediately also kind of leapt to thinking of different Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler movies. It kind of, Wayne's World almost feels like it's from the 80s. Like it almost feels like this, or like it's kind of like a bridge between like if the 80s are dominated by a lot of like those Bill Murray, Harold Ramis comedies. Um, and then the 90s are Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey. This is kind of a bridge I feel between kind of those, those two eras. I know it came out in I think 92. Mm -hmm. but it just feels very much on the cusp of those Turn of the 80s to the 90s is kind of what I associate with. But it was not one that I was going to take, but I'm glad you took it because it's a hilarious movie and I haven't thought about it in, in too long. We're not worthy. <laughs> like you said, we are not worthy. I just had to mention again, of course, I grew up with, uh, with an Alice Cooper enthusiast. You know, mm. my dad dressed up as Alice Cooper every Halloween, my whole childhood. So that scene always hits really hard when uh when they go to see him you know he just puts his hand out i love this the whole milwaukee you know that whole speech is amazing mm -hmm. and yeah i i just love this movie i i really genuinely enjoy pretty much every single scene so i had to get that off the board um yeah so that's my board so kyle what's going to be that last pick of yours yeah, I, I love that you went with one a little more personal because I've eventually left this one for fourth. Because I, I felt pretty safe about it. A lot of these I knew would be stolen, but this is one I mentioned. Goodwill Hunting, uh, you know, was originally my my favorite movie of all time. This movie has since taken that place. It is I, I only saw it for the first time, like maybe two, three years ago. Um, and since then, I've watched it probably six or seven times. I think it's just an utter masterpiece. I It baffles me that more people don't talk about it. I know it's got a following, but I, I have to go with 1995's Heat. 
Um, I've talked at length about this movie on this podcast, uh, like really whenever I can, because I want more people to watch it. I just think it's, it's just, it's so well made. Michael Mann is just a director who is always slept on. He's got this, he's got collateral. He's got, you know, uh, the last of the Mohicans, Ali, like he's just such a consistent director and this is definitely his magnum opus. So he is, is like, Obviously, it's iconic in that it's the first movie in which you know, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino shared a screen. I mean, they they were in The Godfather Part Two together, but never any scenes together. And so that moment when their characters first meet up in the diner is just like movie history in the making. I, I love that moment. I just I love the dynamic between the two of them. You know, Al Pacino as this as this lieutenant um, who has been basically a, a law enforcement officer his entire life and has seen some really heavy shit but is like married to his job and it's kind of taken over his life and then you have robert de niro who is who is a career criminal and is the same way really like they're the same they're two sides of the same coin and that they what they do is basically their entire identity uh, and you kind of see the way that affects their lives val kilmer is also great as as robert de niro's kind of right hand man um I love him. You've got, I mean, you've got, you've got Dennis Haysbur. It's a really stacked cast, but like the two, you watch it for the two lead performances. You watch it for Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Also a great young Natalie Portman. I mean, this is right around the time, I think Leon the Professional came first, but this was right around the time she was really breaking out in Hollywood and she's great as Al Pacino's stepdaughter. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, personally, uh, it's in the last year and a half or so it's taken some introspection to really sit back and think like, is Heat really my favorite movie? You know, I, any, any movie or TV show involving the police is, is tough. <laughs> but I think that what I love about this movie is that nothing that it does is like copaganda and it never like glorifies the police. In fact, it like takes some time to point out that they're like not good at their job a lot of the times. And, and Al Pacino, like, it's his character is not about being a cop it's about the fact that he's married to his job and he's he's like just so he's been doing this for so long that it's consumed his life and you see the way that affects his relationship with his wife and uh i i could just wax uh poetic about this movie all day but um i think it's a masterpiece i think that i think there are people who have seen it but like if you haven't seen this movie just seek it out it, it i don't want to say too much about it because i didn't know hardly anything about it going in i knew the two leads and i knew the importance of like them being in the same movie together but didn't know anything about the story and it just absolutely blew me away another another movie where like sometimes a long run time can be detrimental but this one i think it's like two hours 45 minutes maybe three hours and it absolutely zooms by like the pacing is just fantastic and that shootout outside the bank that bleeds out into the street is just whew, like one of my favorite action sequences i've ever seen in the movie so damon what do you think about heat so you know we've talked about it before uh, i believe it was on your personal film festival draft mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken yeah and uh you know we've talked about it multiple times it is it is so you're saying it is your favorite movie right now right yeah mm -hmm. so i've watched about an hour and a half of it <laughs> um and i like I, I was watching it a day where i had to like go to work or something the before so like i watched that bit and i couldn't finish it and i just haven't gotten back to it, it seems very cerebral a lot of uh 
you know, it's pretty, it's almost like these mind games between the two, you know, Pacino and De Niro. And it's, it's really fun in that way. Um, it's not my favorite type of movie, but it's so well done. The, sh- the way it's shot, the, the action scene at the beginning, you know, like breaking, breaking into that, uh, that truck was so cool. I really love that. And of course, you know, I mean, heat is the inspiration. One of the inspirations for the dark Knight, of course, you know, you have like that, that game between the, the cop and the, the bad guy. And, you know, you have Batman and, and the Joker, you know, it gives, it spawns that kind of a movie, which I love, of course, but this movie from what I've seen so far, it's, it's good. It's really good, but I, you know, I still haven't finished it, so I can't speak too much more on it. Micah, have you seen Heat? When you watch just half of Heat, it's simply lukewarm. Uh, it's not, you have, to, you have to conclude it for it to become Heat. Um, I have seen Heat. I've only seen Heat once and really liked it a lot. I probably watched it about six or seven years ago, and the main things that stick out to me in, in thinking about it as you guys were talking about it are the things that Kyle that you already mentioned uh the the diner scene between Al Pacino and Robert De Niro which as you said is the first time that they're actually on screen together it's so weird because they're so inexplicably like inextricably linked together as actors because they you know starting from the Godfather saga which obviously they're both in the Godfather part two but not together it seems like they're in dozens of movies together, but but they're really not. And so that's just a weird thing to to think about. And uh, and then obviously the bank heist scene, and you know, uh, which is an amazing scene and hugely influential on pretty much all action movies that that have come after it. Like Damon mentioned, The Dark Knight. Not just, I mean, yes, both in just the cat and mouse dynamic between Batman and the Joker being like the Pacino De Niro thing, but even I think just the action of of the Dark Knight is very clearly influenced by it. And I, I think Christopher Nolan has said that. I know he he's one of those directors who likes to show movies on his sets. And I'm pretty sure that when they were making The Dark Knight, he was like, we're watching Heat. <laughs> In a British accent, because he doesn't sound like... <laughs> um, and this one is also, going back to the meme thing, given us some some pretty good Al Pacino memes and, and gifs that exist out there. Because um, this one's got a great ass! Right? I mean, this is one, like, he's really going for it, uh, as he always does. Yeah. Because uh, subtlety, he can do subtle, but he also sometimes is like, hell, I'm on a screen with Robin during my A-plus game. So um, I don't have a ton of super deep insights aside from the kind of those broad strokes things about it, but it's a great movie and uh, it was not going to be my pick. And I thought I was sure I felt like you were going in a different direction up until you said heat. Uh, But heat's a great choice to round out your board. You know, I will always hear Chris Ryan from the ringer say that line about the great (laughs) ass just over and over in my head. Yeah. Like it lives rent free in my head, you know, so it's a great line. Uh, Kyle, uh, is is so that's your favorite movie, right? Is who's your favorite character? Which one do you prefer? Impossible question. Because <laughs> it's really it is it's the two of them, but I I think it's got to be Robert De Niro as Neil McCauley, just because he's like so. My mentioned like Al Pacino knows when to be subtle, but he definitely he is subtle in like a couple of scenes in this movie, but he he's Al Pacino for most of it, right? Like he's very bombastic and over the top. Robert De Niro is so understated in this movie. 
maybe my hot take, but this is probably my favorite performance of his. I know he's got some absolute bangers. He's got Raging Bull and, and Taxi Driver and all of that. This is, I just think he's utterly fantastic in this. I think it came out the right time in his career, you know, that mid nineties, he'd already put those classics out and you kind of wondered like what he was going to do next with his career. And before he was making, you know, like meet the parents and like stuff like that. I love that he still had this in him. Um, yeah, I, I think that Neil Macaulay is just such an interesting character. He's got the great line of like, never commit to something that you're not willing to walk out on in 10 seconds when you see the heat coming around the room, um, which also just I, I always love when a movie drops the title in, in the movie. It's always fun. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Leonard Leo meme. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it's it's so fun. His, his dynamic, the diner scene is just I think when I was getting ready to watch the movie. Everyone was always telling me like, you're going to love the shootout. The shootout outside the bank is so cool. And it is, it's such a great sequence, but the diner scene is just so compelling. Cause one, the history behind it, you know, to get the, the first time they're on screen together, but then the way that they go back and forth and talk about their ideologies and like how they view life. And Robert De Niro is talking about how, like, I, will not hesitate to kill you if I see you out there. I'm, I'm doing a job and I see you trying to follow me. Like he's he's so committed to this life and it's just Robert De Niro plays it to perfection. So yeah, Neil McCauley is, is definitely the best character. Gotcha. I will say my hot take, Robert De Niro's best role, meet the parents, hands down. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, I was I was about to come in here hot with some, with some parents takes too. Meet the parents. One of the funniest movies of all time. Endlessly rewatchable. Yeah. Do you milk That's a cat? The- Do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm here for the Meet the Parents takes for sure. All right. Well, I knew Kyle was going to pick that. I honestly thought that was his second pick. What he was about to go for was Heat. Like I had written it down already. But I'm glad to see your, your very own brand. And before we get to the very last pick of the draft, we're going to take our last break. Cimarell Hair Care is custom formulated to protect your hair from the most extreme elements. Rejuvenate your hair no matter where you are on your journey in Middle Earth. From the fires of Mount Doom to the dryer of the Misty Mountains, your hair will be protected. Cimarell Hair Care has selected all natural ingredients to make your hair a marvel unmatched. For richer, more radiant hair that bridges the gap between even the largest rivals, use Cimarell Hair Care. All right, welcome back. We are finally at the last pick of the draft. Final pick. Micah, go ahead and give us that last pick. All right, so as I mentioned before, I had an initial list of 40, and from that list, I I bolded the ones that I was like, I'll probably take from these. The other ones are kind of backups. I still have seven bolded, though, as ones that are potential. And I'm, I'm really debating, but there might be ones that have more interesting things to say about, But I really just have to go with my heart for the last pick, and I cannot pass up a movie that is one of my very favorite movies of all time. I know I've said that about everyone I've taken, but the 90s rule, so it's actually true. All of these movies are some of my favorites. So I'm going to go back to the world of animation, but we're not going Lion King, and we're not going Toy Story. i got to go with what I think is the greatest Disney movie, which is Beauty and the Beast. So I'm taking Beauty and the Beast with my last pick, a movie that I love very, very deeply. I love animated movies a lot, and uh, I've talked at length 
other places about my love of Pixar movies in particular. But uh, Beauty and the Beast is really just the perfect film to me. It has, I think, kind of the most stunning animation sequence of all time still, which is the Beast's transformation at the end, which there's a great story about it, which is that the animator was like, he missed his deadline, the lead animator on that sequence, and he they were like, it's time. And he was like, I need six more weeks, but it'll be worth it. And it was, because it's still just uh, astonishing. Uh, the music is amazing. Gaston is my all-time favorite villain. Uh, I realize it's weird to just pick a misogynistic asshole who has no powers as your all-time favorite villain, but he's just endlessly hilarious. How can you read this? There's no pictures. Uh, he's a legend. Uh, one of my faves. I have a great quick Gaston story, which is was in Denver uh, several years ago, visiting my wife who was attending University of Denver at the time. We were not yet married, but we were dating. And we went and saw a musical there. And we saw Jekyll and Hyde. And during intermission, I was perusing the playbill as one does. And I saw the name Richard White. And I was like, this name sounds familiar to me, but I can't place it. So I read his little bio. And it, you know how it lists all the credits they've done, mostly theater stuff. And it just says film, Beauty and the Beast, Gaston. And it was so subtle. I was like, this should be in neon lights. I was like, I'm just in some random theater in Denver. Gaston is here. <laughs> uh, and she was like, go meet him after the show. And I did, and I chickened out, and I regret oh. it to this day. But uh, it was, Beauty and the Beast, is just, I love it. The, the Beast fighting off the wolves. Um, every part of it, I mean, I could talk for three more hours about how much I love Beauty and the Beast. Be Our Guest is one of my all-time favorite Disney bangers. The, the title song, amazing. The opening number, incredible. Also have that great YouTube video of that waiter in a diner singing uh, the opening number from Belle. If you guys haven't seen that, it's quite awesome doing every part of it. So um, I love Beauty and the Beast. Fun little Beauty and the Beast fact, if you don't know, the opening narrator at the, at the beginning is Cogsworth, David Ogden Steers. It's the same actor, just doing a a very different voice than his hilarious Cogsworth voice. I did like the live action remake. Um, it's, I think it's, it's a fine movie and I, I really like the, the new evermore song. Um, but obviously it just does not hold a candle or a lumiere to the, the OG beauty and the beast, uh, which is really unquestionably a, a top 10 all time movie for me. I will say shortly, I did absolutely love the live action version of Gaston. I thought that was so fun mm, with yeah. with him, Luke Evans and Josh Gad. And the fact that they're getting a like a Disney Plus TV show just shows like how well they work together. Beauty and the Beast is like a classic. Like it's it's literally like when you talk about Disney, it's usually one of the first probably five that gets brought up. I mean, it I believe this was the one that started the golden age of Disney or the renaissance of Disney, yeah. you know. Um, I think that was like in what, 1990? 91. 91, yeah. Or, and right before it's The Little Mermaid in 89, which is kind of like the Howard Ashman, Alan Menken motivation. Yeah. So I'm always mad because my sister got to see this in theaters. She was like three, and I was like barely born. So, like, she always gets to hold this over me, and like, it's it sucks. Because this movie has, like, so many uh, great scenes. Belle is amazing. Like, you know, I, I do these rankings, right? And I'm, you know, I'm watching Disney right now. I feel like Belle is going to be really high up on my ranking of characters. Because she's just fantastic. And the supporting cast, I mean, Lumiere, Chip, 
all of them like so fun be our guest is a bop i love that song that song's probably going to be in my top five for songs Mm -hmm. from disney it has to be it's so good um i haven't seen it in so long so like i'm low-key super excited to see it again on my bench um yeah it it hits really hard so kyle how do you feel about beauty and the beast yeah uh, oddly enough also same experience. I'm a little bit younger than my sister, but yeah, she she saw it in the theater and just always holds it over me. Uh, it's her definitely her favorite Disney movie. Like Micah, it is like one of her favorite movies of all time. Um, it yeah, this is if we're talking. I always go back and forth between like objective and subjective with like my favorite Disney movies and stuff. Um, and subjectively, like I said, Aladdin is up there, but. If we're talking objective, I would say Beauty and the Beast is probably the most well-made of all of them. It's just, it's perfect beginning to end. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, yeah, I, I think everything works so incredibly well. I, I agree. I thought the live action was decent, but I the, the song Evermore, I love. That, that's probably my favorite of like the new song editions in all these new movies. I um, thought that was great. But yeah, the animation is just flawless. Um, Belle is one of the strongest Disney protagonists. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is just one that's like you watch it as a kid, and it's all obviously great. But like, I watch it now, and I'm like, how did they? How did they do this? Like, how do you just make a movie like this that's so iconic as soon as it comes out and is still revered so highly like it'll be like t2 i don't know when it came out but like terminator 2 it'll be 30 this year which is wild like that's insane and it still is held up as one of the greats so that's that's a really really great way to finish the draft and a a fun fun oscar fact about beauty the beast it's it was the first animated movie nominated for best picture and it was just that for a long time actually until they expanded the field uh, to more than five, the, the next one wasn't until Up, uh, which came out in 2009, and then Toy Story 3 got nominated, and um, I think those are the only Pixar movies, because I don't think Soul got nominated last year for Best Picture, um, so it's just those three, so the only non-Pixar animated movie, and we were talking, uh, Kyle, I think earlier you mentioned like uh, crushes from when you were younger, Belle is like, that. that, that is up there, and Belle is like, Without Belle, do you have Hermione? She's like the she's the the pre the precursor to that. I mean, yeah, Belle's the best. And all I want to <laughs> do is hop into that library and do that and manage to swing from a ladder uh, across an entire library and have the librarian just give me the books to keep. Yeah, that's the life. <laughs> um, okay, real quick aside, you know I have two big Oscar fans right here. You know we know how I feel about them. Do y'all think an animated movie will ever win Best Picture? Ever, I would say yes. I would, I would think that in a in a year, I think it would probably be a Pixar movie that comes out, and um, I think there are years where it certainly should have won. Inside Out is one of my favorite movies of all time, and of the last twenty years, maybe my favorite one. And Spotlight won that year, which is a great movie, but I I think Inside Out is a better movie and i think that it probably will happen i think it'll just take a while and for the right circumstances to come along Kyle, yeah i think so i think we're getting there i uh when you mentioned like what's been nominated i was shocked that into the spider-verse was not nominated for best picture like that's 
unbelievable. Um, I think we're getting closer. I think that with them, when they broadened, when they widened the picks for the category was a good sign. And then I just think that like anim- animated movies are now being taken a lot more seriously in general. Um, I honestly hoped that it would happen with one, with a studio Ghibli film because those are beautiful and I, I adore those. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it's bound to happen. I hope soon. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm loving all these animated movies that have and then just getting really sad when I see them get no recognition. I already this year loved, you know, Ryan, the last dragon and Luca, just both delightful movies. And, uh, especially Luca. Cause I got to say, I don't know about you guys, but I was a little let down by soul. And so I was hoping for a, another great Pixar movie. And Luca is not like Pixar in that it like rips your heart out and like stamps on it. It's just a fun, pleasant movie. Like it's just very light. And I, I love that. I think it's, yeah, the two leads are great, but I, I do think we'll see a win soon, and it definitely will be for Pixar. Kyle, you didn't even mention my favorite animated movie of the year, Mitchells versus the Machines. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes, I also love a great movie. movie. Yeah. So, all right, so let's get to our honorable mentions. I'm going to go first because my list is not nearly as big as y'all's. <laughs> um, I'm just going to list off a couple, okay? I almost went, like, it was like, it was Jurassic Park in this movie, Independence Day. I was very close to drafting Independence Day. That's my sister's favorite movie, Independence Day and Beauty and the Beast. Go figure. Um, the Matrix, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, Happy Gilmore, and of course, Dazed and Confused, which I've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. So, Kyle, what's a couple of years that you... Uh, almost drafted or had on had on your big list uh yeah so in the realm of the matrix um this is my hot take dark city came out a year before and i think is the better version of it love dark city um that would have been like my you know traditional kyle pick to tank my board but i didn't go with it uh i, I love speed um seven uh, the, uh almost went with the truman show so i'm glad it was picked uh mulan and hercules if i didn't get aladdin um Let's see. Uh, Space Jam. Shout out to our good friend Katie. Uh, For Love of the Game is a great, great Kevin Costner movie. Uh, Man, what else? Uh, Pulp Fiction. I don't have as much like a connection to that movie like a lot of people do, but I still think it's a great movie. Um, And then I almost went just this is a shout out to our good Micah. I'm so glad that you love Paul Thomas Anderson so much. Like I said, I recently watched Heart Eight for the first time. The more I think about it, the more I love it. Like it was a slow burn, but I just really liked that movie. I thought it was a, a fantastic performance from Philip Baker Hall. And if you, ha- if you're listening, you haven't seen it, it. I think it's Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie and it's really, really fun. John C. Riley also just a really great performance from him. So yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow, great movie. Um, yeah. But Micah, what are, what are some of your honorable mentions? I won't list them all, um, but I'll, I'll go through some of them. Speed, as you mentioned, that is one I almost took. One of my all-time favorite action movies just kicks ass from beginning to yeah. end. And it still is just one of the best. Um, I had a different Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Magnolia, which is uh, quite an epic, sprawling one, but I love. Uh, being John Malkovich, I love Charlie Coffin movies. My favorite Charlie Coffin movie is adaptation i feel like the most popular one tends to be eternal sunshine i love adaptation that came out in the 2000s but being john malkovich i think is absolutely brilliant um i love the movie election you guys fans of the movie election now yeah. uh, i haven't seen it since i was a kid so i it feel is, like i'd like it more now brilliant and i think that it 
only has become like sharper um, in its commentary. Um, one of my, I love Alexander Payne's movies and that movie's absolutely hilarious. Um, Pulp Fiction, like you said, that's going to be one that people are going to be like, what? Cause that's probably like the consensus number one movie of the nineties. Astonishing that we did not take Pulp Fiction and the Lion King. I mean, the, the fact that those two went off the board, if I didn't take Beauty and the Beast, I was actually going to take a different animated movie. One that has not been said yet. Goofy movie. No, not goofy movie. Also, another one that no one mentioned was Toy Story, but I was not going to take Toy Story. I was going to take Toy Story 2, which I feel, uh, which I love Toy Story. Love, love, love Toy Story. I think Toy Story 2 is better. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Toy Story 2 is the point, that's the third Pixar movie after that in The Bug's Life, where at that point it's like, oh shit, these guys have got it in the bag, right? And they know what they're doing. And then it's just like a string of masterpieces. One of my favorite scenes in any Pixar movie is the scene of the the toys all driving the car together on in that car chase. And <laughs> Ham, Ham has one of the all-time greatest lines, which is he's looking at the driver's manual and he just goes, there's no way he's getting this kind of gas mileage. And it just, it just cracks me up. It's such a hilarious non sequitur. Um, I'm a big uh, Jerry Maguire guy. I love Jerry Maguire. And I think it's a fantastic movie. Gattaca is uh, a low-key sci-fi movie that I love. Boogie Nights is wonderful. And I love Boogie Nights. Pleasantville, I also think, is a fantastic movie. Mm. Um, a couple other classics that didn't really go mentioned are Silence of the Lambs and Goodfellas which are not, per I had those on my list because they're amazing movies and I love them. They're just not personal faves of mine, but they're unquestionably some of the best movies of the 90s. Um, and then just real fast in terms of a little bit smaller movies that I wasn't going to pick, but I want to shout out because they rule. Well, one I almost picked was Before Sunrise. And I know I, I drafted Richard Linklater in the previous draft. Um, and I just love, I cannot say enough about how much I love that trilogy and how much I think about it and how important I think it is and how just, to me and how thought provoking it is. But luckily there's other ones of those that can be talked about at another time. Fargo, one of my all time favorites along with the Coen bros. Um, and then like a personal favorite from childhood is, are you guys fans of the movie mouse hunt with Nathan Lane? Yes. And growing up, that was like the movie that me and my brother watched a billion times. I have a memory. It came out in 97 or 98. So I would have only been like seven when it came out. And I have a memory of seeing it in theaters with my dad and my brother and my dad laughing so hard that he almost like fell out of his chair. And it's just, it's just like a perfect comedy. I don't know why it's not, it is so funny and it's still hilarious. Another comedy that I adore from the nineties, Beverly Hills Ninja, Chris Farley. Yes. Finest. Give me Chris Farley working at a Japanese steakhouse any day of the masterpiece. Um, and then one more comedy that I feel doesn't get enough love is Bowfinger, the Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy movie. Um, are you guys familiar with Bowfinger? Have you seen? Yeah. I saw it when I was a kid. I saw, it's so, I don't it's like brain. you'd think a movie with Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, weirdly enough, directed by Frank Oz. You'd think that that trio, you'd be like, everyone loves this movie. But I feel like it's not talked about, but it's just amazing. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of awesome movies from the 90s. Oh, Fight Club. I didn't even say Fight Club. Fight Club. Yeah. I fucking love Fight Club. And I feel like, I don't know if, if opinion has shifted on Fight Club over the years and people see it as like, to me, I just feel like it's a great commentary on all the things that people think that it's, people take the wrong lessons from it, but those guys are stupid. The movie Fight Club yeah. is amazing, brilliant. And I almost drafted it. It was that, I mean, it's Fight Club. It's, so, it's just amazing.
Yeah. Fight Club is one of those things where the fans have really soured the actual thing, you know. Uh, the I'm fans reclaiming like, Fight Club right here. I'm not letting them take it. <laughs> the rules. Oh, I, I love it. I, I love that movie, personally. Like, I remember that, oh that God, twist happening for the first time was just re- revolutionary. That was amazing. Yeah. It was mind-blowing. Well, I think we, we talked about yeah. most of the best movies of the 90s, I'd say. We, I, yeah. No. Real fast, the horror movie that fucked me up was The Sixth Sense. Oh. The Sixth Sense did a number on me, and I was just like, uh, that, that was not a great movie to watch when I was like nine, and uh, it helped me not watch horror movies for quite a while, but um, that means it's a good movie. I don't know if you guys were considering drafting it, but uh, that's uh, it. Who's, you know who's never seen it, Micah, because it was spoiled for me as a kid, as a nine-year-old kid and never seen it oh, since then? No. Me, I've never seen it. Oh, you should still watch it. It's really good. I'm just holding that grudge. It's the one I don't hold grudges. This is the only grudge I've ever held in my held in my life, and I don't know why. I'm just still really mad at that person. I don't even remember who it was, but I did it though because that's one where like it's not ruined. It's still a fantastic movie, but no, not knowing the twist and watching it is an experience because the way they reveal it is, is, is fantastic. And also to bring it, to bring everything full circle, we started with uh, a draft of Shakespearean inspired things. And this was the first thing I took the nineties is great movies and teen comedies. Um, and 10 things I had about you is an all timer for me. I thought maybe someone might take clueless, um, mm-hmm. which is, uh, uh, also great, but 10 things I had about you is just a movie I've seen a dozen times and quote endlessly, and is just the very, very best. That's a genre we just kind of left un, untapped, but there's a lot of those in the 90s. We should really do a teen movies draft. I feel mm-hmm. like that would be an amazing draft to do, so I feel like I'm putting that in the ideas book. So thank <laughs> you for that, Micah. Um, thank you so much for joining us, man. This has been a blast. You have any other, any last words you want to tell the people before we get out of here? If you're a binge mode listener or a binge mode follower, uh, Keep voting in this musical bracket because I'm putting a lot of time and energy into it. I'm listening to a bunch of these days, writing recaps of musicals and uh, listening to them. I've actually listened to a bunch of musicals in the past few days and trying to prep for that. So it's been a lot of fun. I love it. Uh, I haven't seen like over half of those musicals. I'm, I'm really behind on my musical game. So I got to okay. catch up. I wanted to do a more niche draft. <laughs> I mean, a more niche bracket. That's why I went that way. Kyle, you got anything to tell the people before we get out of here? No, we thanks for listening, guys. We um, what's next week, Damon? I know I usually tell him, but I can't remember this time. <laughs> it's uh, with our good friend Ryan. Ryan is joining us right. once again. We are doing our uh, 2000s episode of Children of the Tube. Yeah. So 2000s TV. You know when they say prestige TV, pretty much started the year before. We have a lot of iconic picks to choose from. So. Mm-hmm. It'll be a good one. It's going to be stacked. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody.